Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. First off, I like to start this episode by dedicating it to my stepmom, Stephanie Rogers, who just passed away this week. I love you. Uh, you pretty much changed the whole trajectory of my life just from meeting you. I'm going to miss you. And um, my biggest thing, biggest regret is that I won't be able to have a conversation with you again. I uh, hope to see you again somewhere. Love you. Stephanie Rogers. Miss you. Can't wait to see you again somewhere. Now you could join grandma wherever she yeah. is. And y'all could be having a good time talking, laughing, eating crabs and doing what y'all do. All right. So welcome to Permission to Speak Freely. This is called an introduction, something that we normally don't do. <laughs> But uh, I know, but <laughs> hey, hey, so the, the reason why we don't normally do it because somebody be having some malfunctions, I guess be having malfunction, but not today. Oh, I guess you talk about, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah I we guess. normally have some malfunctions, you know, but oh. we good today. Though. Yeah, we yeah good. I guess we... I always had technical. Di- I, I mean, I, I got I saw the technical difficulties at the beginning, just trying to get synced up, everything like that. But I'm going to introduce my um, our guest for this week. Uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, w- one of my old division officers, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Lieutenant J.G. Charles Davis. I see how it is. You get an officer in the mix, we do introductions, and we formalize the process a little bit, huh? Uh, pro- process improvement. That's good. I got, pl- yeah. I, I got place settings if you look over. I got my cell phone right <laughs> here with the, the salad yeah. fork. <laughs> We never do that before. We never do that like that before. Yeah, yeah. man. So, I mean, what's just straight up uh, what you've been up to? Well, I've been kind of all over the place, I guess, since I last saw you. You know, I was on this ship up until June. Um, I had had orders to kind of leave in August. So the plan was the ship would pull in from patrol. I'd quickly kind of get my stuff and I'd go on to uh, school in Newport, which is where I am now. However, like any good set of orders, they got shifted to the left and changed. Uh, the ship schedule changed, so they kind of made a last-minute decision to get me off in Okinawa. So I went from Okinawa back to Yakuska, kind of ran a little ragtag group of sailors there that were also leaving. Uh, so I did that for about a month, came back to San Diego, moved out of my house and stuff, and then made a cross-country road trip to North Carolina, did some vacation there, was down in South Carolina a little bit, and then made the road trip up here to uh, Rhode Island. So I've kind of been everywhere the last couple months. So, but right now settled up here in uh, Newport, you know, doing some school getting some good, uh, Navy funded education. And then I'll be up here till, you know, November ish. And then I'll be going my next ship right after that down in Florida. So, uh, pretty exciting stuff for the most part. So the first ship, right. Uh, the first Divo tour, we, we're not going to go too deep yet, but the first ship, what was your job? What was your job? on the first So ship? I came in, uh, I took over for a really struggling EE div. I was the electrical officer. So, uh, they put me in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, we're not going to nah, go that deep yet, like, but here we go. Huh? <laughs> nah, but, no, so I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a surface warfare officer, right? So we serve on ships. I did my first tour of duty, um, as the electrical officer for about 14 months. And then I shifted over to be the uh, first lieutenant, which is, you know, the deck guy for another 14 months. And then like the waning week of my uh, time on board, I was back in engineering doing the assistant chief engineer thing. So uh, pretty, pretty diverse. Yeah, it was really like a week, though. So I know I didn't even really have a box. So I don't know if that counts. So so <laughs> what's next? What you, what, what you in school for? Uh, so right now I'm doing the uh, ADOC, right? The advanced division officer course. 
course, it's the prerequisite for anybody to go to their second tour, SWO-wise. And then I have uh, Surface Navigator School right after that. So to be in the nav on USS Next Ship. Okay. Oh, nice. And you said nice. you said you ran a ragtag group of sellers for a little bit in, in Yakuza, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like the it was like the island of uh, lost toys. Basically, it was all the people PCSing or like being separated from the Navy. So that was an interesting dynamic of people, but fun, you know, but just different. Yeah. Uh, how many going away party? So, <laughs> how many going away parties was in that group? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> I'm gonna say is it coincided with the time the haunch reopened? Uh, for a brief period of time in Yakuskas. So that was, uh, you know, is what it was. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, what you been up to, man? Oh, man. Shit. I've been on these ships, man, trying to make these ships a little bit better, man, material-wise, you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> other than that, man, I've been having a good time, though, man. I've been I've been chilling, you know, um, just joining my, my a new gym, you know, up here where I'm at, up here in um, Planet Fitness. Uh, to, to Mecklen. No, it's um it, nah nah I ain't joining Planet Fitness, man. You gave me the you gave the me too much of the lowdown on rundown on Planet Fitness. I am not messing with them, man. I got this EOS, it's called EOS um gym. It's pretty yeah, pretty EOS good, man. Yeah, you know like you gotta yeah, wear a mask. Good, so. No, man, no mask, man. No mask in there. Um and then, man, it's some motivation in there, man. Everybody they be working, they got like little side stuff with the little grass going. You can go out there and do yeah, your little nice. your little work on the grass. It's, it's, it's pretty good, man. Your son, good. when so, is he starting uh, boot camp? November, November first, man. Oh, wow. um, yeah, man, I can't wait. He can't wait. Um, but you know what? I, I thought about it for a minute, man. When he was going to boot camp, I was like, you know what? Now I'm gonna get to visit places, man. Like, so I'm, I'm even hoping he don't get San Diego. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. That's right down the street. I'm hoping he gets somewhere else so I can go visit and and do other things, man, like that with me and my wife. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, I'm ready for him to go, man. The kids just started back school, so that's a good thing too. Um, yeah, man, everything's good on my on my side, man. Hopefully you get. How about you? Hopefully you get Maryland, man, so you could come visit me. Yeah, most definitely, man. Yeah, man. Most definitely. Hopefully your son gets stationed in Maryland. That'll get you. That'll get he's you. He's an IT, so you know he can he can go all over the place. He's gonna be yeah. an IT, so yeah, he'll me, be good. Uh, me, not much. Um, out, you know, we found out my stepmom passed on mm-hmm. a couple days ago, probably uh, Tuesday, I want to say, um, Wednesday, and uh, you know, just that dealing with that, uh, you know, that that part of it, and uh, after that, just. You know, me and my wife already had tickets to go see Ali Wong. Uh, so a uh, little uh, date night thing. I would never call it a date night. We just was out, but that's what she actually coined it. So she coined it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Coined, date night, man. Don't, 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 yeah. don't, don't try to, don't try that's to. Not, d- d- yeah, don't try to deny what's going on, man. You had a date yeah. night. You had a date night, man. Don't try to, you know. Yeah. Deny that. Yeah, yeah. Date yeah. night. Try to take a chapter. Yeah. Try to take a chapter out of your book. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm dating it up, man. I'll be dating hanging it up. <laughs> so, 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 so we went to see Ali Wong. It was it's, the dude before her was hilarious, but I, I can't like. And then she came on. She was hilarious. It was a very, very centered to like to women. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you might feel like you ain't shit listening to her talk, but it was good though. It's Ali Wong. I mean, uh, if anybody familiar yeah. with her, she pretty good. Uh, I, that's it. Nothing else. Uh, getting back to work, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on um, at the Capitol, I think, last week. And then dealing with the, the refugees, um, the Afghan refugees, we will be like directly impacted. My region will be directly impacted by that in some form or fashion or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. 
I mean, let's get back to our guests and uh, let's kind of let, I'll start off. Um, I get very transparent real quick. OK, so, well, one, of, I think one of the craziest moments in my career, I don't even know if you know this, Damon, but one of the craziest moments in my career. Right. And we get and this the, this probably the only personal, um, real personal part of it, because I, I do want to talk a lot about like general officer stuff because we have an officer. But one of the craziest moments. So, you know, I, we get to, I get to the ship. Doing what, doing what I normally do, right? Working, working hard, busting ass, right? Series of, like, miss, like, a real series of unfortunate events happens, like, in a row. And I'm part of it, right? Every single unfortunate event, I'm, I'm kind of, like, part of it, right? So then we get a new devo, and I'm like, oh, shit. All right, here we go. New life, new life, let's, like, this is it. Like, motivated, let's go, let's go, let's work. So... We're going to work hard. We're going to get our Devo trained up to where Devo need to be so Devo could know whatever's going on, get, you know, on, on their own and get shit done. It's something I, I don't, I could say that I, I never saw the greatest of before, I, you know, before I became a chief. But, um, <laughs> so one day, another <laughs> unfortunate event happens that somehow I'm to, to blame for this event, right? Uh, and I'm not going to get too deep in the event, uh, but I'm to blame for it all, right? So, me and my new Devo, who I'm working with, we kicking ass together like every single day. No matter what the, the unfortunate events led, you know, the division to look like or feel like, we're working. We busting ass. We know who we are. So we go up to talk to, uh, at the time, XO. Uh, and, uh, but his door is closed and he's talking to the department head. And it's like about, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, hey. okay. I know where you're going he's now. Like, All right. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I like I like him I like EMC, but I don't know what's wrong. Like it's something going on, man. I like him. I like the guy. He's a good guy. He's boo, boo, boo. you know, and, yo. To imagine being in like Damon first. Imagine being in that position. Like I got a new divo. We working. We busting ass. We doing everything we got to do. But then we go up and our EXO is talking to our department head about How about you. Yeah, it's like damn. Like and you look over to the divo. Like fuck, man. Like what? Am, like, <laughs> Like, how do I, like, is he, does he lose respect for me? Does, like, does he believe, like, this? Does he take this in? Like, how can I, like, now I got to outwork this. You know what I'm saying? So that was, yeah. I, but that was early. I'm, I mean, I'm actually at the end of the day, <laughs> whatever you succeed, you could be happy for the, <laughs> you know, for the bad shit. But when you don't, you, you kind of blame it. On. <laughs> it's all because yeah. of that. <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the yeah. day, that was, a, uh, I, I think, a good thing because it just kind of, I th it took away like any kind of barrier then that moment yeah. took away any kind of barrier like at that time but i never really i don't think i ever really asked you what was going through your mind like exactly i know you was a little upset about something else that i don't really want to talk about but what was going through your mind at that time <laughs> just about our division when you when we walked up and heard that conversation i guess it was funny you know when you come on board a ship um, I guess being a swallow, people don't like sugarcoat things. No one's ever like, you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a sick division. You're going to like every moment of the day. They kind of like almost are the bearer of bad news. So people are like, yeah, you're going to get there. You're probably not going to have a chief. If you have a chief, he's going to suck. The division's going to suck, blah, 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 blah. So they, they set you up with this like mental model of failure. At least I feel like that's the way the culture was. It's getting better. But, you know, I got to the ship and I'd heard about some of the stuff that had happened before. And I thought, well, I was like, I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, perfect. You know, this is the environment that I've been waiting on, you know? Um, and I, I feel like I'm not the guy that would walk into a, a clean situation any time of my life. So 
uh, that was funny. And then in that particular moment, I just remember my first kind of was one of my first professional realizations that if you heard somebody like talking about you or your boy, or in this case, your chief on like the, in the street or something, like you heard that conversation on the other side of the room, you just want to bust in and be like, hey, you know, won't you say it to me, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I remember that being the first time professionally thinking like, wow, we actually have to just, we have to internalize this as if yeah. we'd never even heard it, right? And then we got to, we have to proceed like respectfully and professionally as if we didn't just overhear a conversation with an open door, you know? So um, I was definitely upset in the moment. I was more, I guess, professionally, um, maybe even personally kind of offended in that I feel like it was an attack on the team, not necessarily an attack on you, uh, but more of an attack on us, us as a division, kind of our brand and our reputation. So um, he might as well have been saying whatever about me. You know, he didn't even really know <laughs> probably what my name was at that time or that I was on board or anything like that. But no, I just remember kind of taking that personally and almost using his fuel to kind of excel and be better from that moment yeah, forward. You know? kind of, well, I, I, I'm listening to you. I, I tell you, I tell you one thing about um that XO also though it didn't matter what your division did or do what it was on you it was on the chief and the devil so he yeah. it don't matter what it was he holds you guys like to that standard like i don't care what it is you guys fault it's your fault you know what i mean no matter what it is but i also want to add my personal story before we go get too far about um about you two anyway um so as i walk around the ship and i got devils and i got oh, you, know. you know whoever um with me but you guys was probably rolling about five or six strong, like, ever since I've been on the ship. It was probably like five or six. Start, starting probably, five. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, starting five or whatever. And it's probably one of my first times in my Navy career that you probably had a work bag or a <laughs> tools in your hand more than your freaking um, the, um, your, your maintenance guys did. You was right there on side of them. You was working along with them the, the whole time. And I remember um, talking to, to Domo about it. And I remember it was like, he was like, man, we got to get it. You know, <laughs> like everybody's a, it's a, it's a team, you know, it was a real like team atmosphere. And, and looking for me, I didn't have that, that atmosphere because of the fact that we was probably, we had a, a, a nice number for a DDG. So I didn't have that issue and not saying my devils wouldn't have did it. If they had, if they wanted to, I had the chance. But it was the fact that you, you was in the fight, you was there, and you guys was a crazy ass team from day one, though. Like from outside looking in, the team atmosphere. I saw one. I saw every time I see Dumb, I damn near seen you. So you guys was always together, always getting shit done. So that was my, uh, you know, remembering you guys on the ship. Yeah, man. From just from the divisional aspect, it it was a crazy just uh, transformation, man. Like from when I got to the ship to um leaving the ship you know what i'm saying and everything in between but just getting to the ship and and uh being a division that like the co at the time forgot to like call, i think we fixed something uh, and um the co said that a gang did it and the guys man they called me <laughs> they were upset and this even before you you got here. yeah i heard uh, they were like chief man this is it man like they didn't even like boom so you know i had to call up like you know hey that's not okay you know, the guys want to, you know, they just, and it's like, and, and then, you know, it's coming from me. So it's like, I want the credit, but it's really like the guys, they want their credit for getting stuff done. So from going from being that to, to becoming a division where people would be like, oh yeah, they only got that because they're an EM. <laughs> like that's a big, you know, even though that's not true, but that's a big, big uh, transition. And a lot of that happened in those, 
years where we like you know busting our ass to be the best division in dits and <laughs> breaking records and you know doing all of that stuff man but it, that shit it came with very very hard work what's that face about man them breaking records, you know what I'm saying? Breaking records and this. Record, bro. Hey, hang a, hang a banner, man. Hey, hang a banner in the Raptors. This is a dirty game, man. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, and no, if you can't, a lot of, of politics involved in dick. Listen, man. If hey, you man, can't get low, hey. if you can't get as low as your enemy, man, you're not going to make it through this, man. I'm sorry. Hey, you that's know where I, I would that's take. Where I learned to scratch backs, man. Hey, I remember. I remember the first time like that you brought that up to me, like your scores and and dits, yeah. man. You were like a 90, 90 something, whatever. Then that's the first ninety eight, something like that. So, I'm, <laughs> so I remember the first time you brought that up, and you know how I'm competitive. I don't know. I said, man, I'm trying to try to trying to try to beat these guys. And, <laughs> yeah, because y'all was like this right here, right? Chapter, I remember right? saying like this to myself. Chapter? I'm gonna try to beat them. So guess what I do, man? I remember this just like yesterday. I remember talking to these guys like three weeks out. <laughs> Trying to talk to him about my grades and my shit and stuff. I still couldn't get up there to freaking in the, in the 90s, man. I'm like, I don't know how you guys did it, man. Maybe you guys did it that well because you had like three people. I don't know, but, I mean, you, had, you know, you guys, did a, you guys did a good job, man, because I know I couldn't get up there, man, for nothing. I'm talking to him every day, like, what's up, man? What <laughs> yeah, I need to do? What I need, what I need to do? I remember I think. Hey, Pusha T said, how can you relate when you've never been great? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Matt I think Matt one day was like, man, I don't give a fuck about no Discord, man. Yeah, I was I was about to bring that up. They they uh they brought up the Excel sheet which showed like the last four quarters of Discords, and it obviously showed us on top. And I just remember people in the room, him specifically, just being angry. Like, man, yeah. if there was the there was the who cares crowd, and then there was like oh, I'm offended. But... I feel like I need to do better crowds. You know, like yeah. it was divisive. Yeah, Sir, so oh, so so I do got one question while we talk about this though. So how did this go when you changed your division, sir? How was it then? Uh, surprisingly well. Um, I didn't expect it to go that well, but I also had the help of another division officer at the time who, you know, although just a little bit more junior, was junior. So I put a lot of the work on his plate. And then, you know, he was a smart guy and got through a lot of that stuff. But um, obviously, you know, we went from a starting five to like having a football teams worth of people. So it was a lot more work. Uh, yeah. sailors that find themselves in more interesting positions than an EM usually does. Mm -hmm. So uh, just in terms of the stuff going on with them. But, no, it went well. But we definitely had, uh, I had a little bit more firepower in terms of getting the DITS program managers, like, what they needed and get the binders and all that stuff. So yeah. um, it was fine. It was a lot harder. Don't get me wrong. The binder went from being a folder to, you know, just oh, yeah. like a whole – a whole shelf worth of stuff. So yeah, I can imagine. So you, so, so Damon, you talked about you know just the Devo Chief uh, relationship, just being tight, you know, being everywhere together, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How important is that? Do you think for the division to succeed? You asking me yeah, yeah. first? Oh yeah, man. Hey, it's it's very important, man. You wanna you wanna build that relationship. Uh, regardless, and 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 more the relationship is let, letting the Devo know, and vice versa that that. We got each other's back, man. And I think um, yeah. the division knows that. When the division knows that they can't play that mom and pop game with you, they know that, that you know, we there, we there to do a job, you know. So my biggest thing I, I remember, you know, like just being like tight with, with my devils um, when I do have a repo. Normally I have a, a second tour as a DCA or, you know, depending on what, what ship is, you know, I'm on anyway. So, um, but I just want to make sure that, that they got everything they need. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my whole, my whole goal. When I, when I get a devil 
is to make sure, especially if they're an instant brand new coming in, is to make sure they got everything they need. And and I've been in situations where um, the wardroom was like strong on getting quals and getting all their stuff done. Mm-hmm. But I also been on ship when you was on your own as a divo and you make make sure you get your you get your stuff done. Um, so I've been in, in both in both of those worlds, man. But um, I, I tell you this, man, when you got a a, a good chief and and a, and a divo come in, it's so much um, it's so much like better as a division when you got a. Um, uh, 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 I ain't gonna say a friend, you know, but somebody you, you when you guys come to work every day, you want to be there together. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be there. You want to get stuff done. You got the same goal. When you sit down and have that goals of what we want to do as a division and what we want to accomplish and all that stuff. Once you guys sit down and you you do all that stuff and you work out the kinks, uh, man, you got a, a well oiled machine. And I and I remember having these divos where. We we first two times we go to quarters and we talking over each other, yeah, right? Yeah. And I remember I remember that like yesterday. Then I remember like, oh look, we got to meet like thirty minutes prior. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so we don't be talking yeah. over each other. But we, then once that stuff start happening, you start having a game plan, you start planning, and man, you you a team, man. But everybody sees that, man. I don't know about you, but everybody sees that 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 atmosphere that you guys bring to the table. Um, then your LPOs want to do that with their work center soups and. You know, it's, it's just it just goes like that, man. You know, you got a good team. Yeah, uh, I saw it. I saw it as a junior seller when the divo and the chief wasn't on the same page. I, I I've seen that a lot. You know, and, and not as much as you know what you was just talking about, where it's like people competing against, like to see who put out the best information. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna try to out information divo real quick. You know what I'm saying? We get <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah, to we piggyback, get to that point where yeah. we like, all right, look, this would. You're always going to talk about this one. I'm always going to talk mm-hmm. about. We're going to go in there. Yeah. You know, that's what we're going to yep. talk about. But, uh, Mr. Davis, like, how important is it is that uh, for you as far as that relationship between the chief and the divo? I think it's critical. And, you know, I didn't really understand how good I had it until, you know, interacting with my peers now at school. All these people had kind of a wide array of experiences, right? You had people that came to their ships and didn't have a chief or, uh, they had a chief that kind of put them in the corner. They said, hey, you go get qualified. I'll run the division, you know, kind of excommunicating them from anything the division is doing. And then you just had chiefs and divos that didn't get along at all. So it was a game of mom and pop. And it was a game of, well, chief said this. Well, divo said this. So I think in terms of a division, it's a critical that, you know, you're a united front. The sailors understand that you both had the same goals. You're working towards the same things. But it's also critical for the officer too to develop and to understand one, their role as a division officer, like what it means, um, how they're supposed to interact with a division and run a division, what the chief is supposed to be providing, and how he's he or she is supposed to be backing you up. And then um, a chief is also there just to orient you, know, orient you with the Navy. Like these guys get on board ships, and if you're like me, you come out of OCS, you don't know where your rack is, the head is. You don't know how to do basic Navy things. You're a junior sailor with, with rank, essentially. So a chief is there, too, to – to kind of guide you in a non-embarrassing way on just how to do the Navy thing in general and then how to lead. Um, so I think it's it's critical for divos, especially seeing the ones that have not gotten that experience and hopefully get it, you know, in their second tours um, now that they actually do know something. But, you know, without that kind of relationship, I think the division struggles and the officer struggles because they effectively they put themselves behind a timeline in terms of leadership development and knowing what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to be yeah. effective. Now I do. I so. want to take it a step further real quick and talk about fraternization, right? Cause you just said something, Damon, that I was already mm-hmm. thinking about when you say you don't have to be that friend, 
right? Um, I was at, recently I was at a a leadership training and one of the uh, Master Chiefs, he was giving us a story about one of the foreign navies. And the the guy from the foreign navy was like, hey, you know, we go out together. We go out, we eat, we do things together, me and my pretty much LPO or whoever it was. And uh, the dude was like, oh, nah, you know, us, we were like, nah, man, we don't do that. That's frat. That's fraternization. We can't do that. The dude's like, hey, ain't y'all going to, if something happened, won't you die for this guy? Like, don't you want to, like, know this guy? Or whatever in a little bit more intimate way and um you know then they, they, that was pretty much the end of his story and then uh he was like so that's you know that's the difference between our navy and some other navies like they actually do go out uh eat together have drinks talk uh do things like that um what do we like what do you, what do we think is so wrong with that in our in our in our um navy Ooh, i i think the I think the issue may come that come from the leadership issue, man, where um, probably when you have to reprimand somebody, I think that's where to come into, man. Like if you become like, like how I'm going to get on this dude ass, he may know more shit about me than anything. Not necessarily that, but just the fact of, yeah. um, I think that separation is keto um, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because of leadership though. I feel like you cannot, you cannot reprimand somebody or, or the same way you would if um, you didn't know him that that intimate. You know, now you got to think about what you're doing. Still, so, okay, this guy right here. Like, think about it for a second. You got a friend. You got somebody who's who's not your friend, right? And something happens on the ship. They can do the same thing. And I'm telling you, you're gonna think differently about how you're gonna reprimand this guy and how you're gonna reprimand that guy. Because this guy's your friend. This guy's some you went out with. You didn't ate with. You didn't did this stuff with. This other guy, I don't know. They got the same thing happen. You're gonna think differently, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it, where where it comes from, man. Um, and I think it's a clear separation from different militaries too that we have a chief mess to separate us from the E6 and below. I think that's I think that's great, yeah. you know, to have um, NCOs like that and stuff. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's my biggest thing is it come from not just a bad thing when I say like somebody getting in trouble, but a whole lot more phases of the game too. Um, having somebody in that in-between level that you can go to um, up and down a chain of command is also a good thing. What about Divo Chief? Like, what, like, you know, what's the aspect when it comes to that? Like, hey, you know, after work, you know, let's go grab a drink or two. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit of shop before we go home. Well, my take on it is that uh, I got to fall back on my fallback when I, when, I, <laughs> when I say that. It's just an instruction that's out, man, and we know that from day one. You know what I mean? We already we already know that, and and I'm a big fan of um, things are either written in blood or things are written for a reason. You know, it's probably a reason why you know we separated like that, and we should be. Do would I have a problem with going out and having a drink with my divo? No, but I think it's a reason for it, though. You know, mm-hmm. so what about what about you? I think it's interesting because um, we talk about the instruction. I remember when I first got to the ship, and you offered to do something as simple as like buy me a sandwich like we were all getting sandwiches and like you were gonna pay for mine because i didn't have a card or whatever it was <laughs> and in my mind i was trained to be like no that's fraternization cheap you can't buy me a sandwich man but it is funny because as i don't know as you spend more time at least as i spent more time on the ship i started to kind of think about it because you think about a chief and a divo we kind of operate on the same plane you know it's a lot more of a in terms of a division it's like a coxo relationship more than it is an officer and a chief relationship because we're kind of at the same level of leadership and if I'm being honest, like I haven't spent much time 
disciplining or trying to reprimand a chief. Usually if I have mm -hmm. issues with my chief, I talk to the DLCPO, right? Or the department head or master chief. You know, I don't spend a lot of time directly disciplining a chief. So to me, I always thought it was weird that we didn't have a closer relationship yeah. because of how often, not me and you, I'm just saying chiefs and divos, that we don't have a closer relationship because of the fact we kind of operate on the same leadership level. We do spend a lot of time together and our relationship is critical. Um, if a good relationship is critical to having a good division. Now with that, I do think it's interesting that we draw a pretty hard line that, hey, we're going to go out and get a drink after work or whatever. But then you see ships yeah, like ours yeah. that did beer on the pier and those walls are gone. You know, you have the most junior sailor and the CO drinking six feet apart, interacting. Um, so it, it is weird how <laughs> we draw the line there. But when we're on deployment, we want to have a beer on the pier. Some of that stuff just kind of evaporates. So um, maybe there will be some some changes or at least some discussion on that. But I think the policy is rigid in that. I don't know, probably not, but the policy is rigid. <laughs> the policy is rigid in that when something goes wrong, you know, when one of these cases goes too far, that that is what we have to back up to, and that's that's what yeah. we hope people I, I mean, count I guess with, I wouldn't that mind like a chief mess yeah. uh, war room happy hour. Like, hey, let's all just, you know, that way it's a group thing, and let's all just get together. And, you know, I, 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 I had a sit-down with a divo on Liberty before. Yeah. Um, just a sit down like you know when I first got to the division it's like hey man let's you know let's sit down outside and let's have a conversation outside of work let's talk I, I've done that I, I, th I also think you just need to be more clarification on it though that when you go back talking about the instruction though I mean I think it's too broad on what on how it's, on what it talks about it should be like broken down a little bit more yeah uh, because junior sailors don't understand that they don't. They always they always asking questions and, and this and that because yep. they don't understand. So I do think it it need to be revamped. You know, it's 2021. <clears throat> Damn near everything need to be fucking revamped. You know what I mean? We we got instructions now that's back in freaking the 90s or whatever, man. Like a lot of that stuff need to be ramped. People thinking differently, doing things yes. differently now in 2021. We just need to start looking at these instructions. Yeah, it's, it's and it's because messed up people mess up things. Like and and that's pretty much the way I think. Um, if you have a mature enough uh, uh, establishment that y'all could do whatever y'all want to do, get back, get back to work and do it. Because, I mean, outs like companies like Google and other professional places, they have different tiers of leadership that still goes out. Certain things they don't do, but you still go out with, you know, with your people. You have a good time and stuff like that. You know, the way the Navy is, it's like, yo, if you want to do a barbecue, make sure you invite your whole division. You know what I'm saying? You're not you can't you're not just going to invite just your LPOs, sit down with your LPOs and do something like that. So I, but I think it's because of the people. I've been in situations where I had friends that wasn't the same rank as me um, and they so, sometime it, it became weird. You know what I'm saying? When it came to like, man, like, dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Because people don't people see you when you when you put your uniform on, you put your guard, you kind of put your guard up in certain professional ways that wouldn't happen when you outside of uniform. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You like they might not know you're a klutz. <laughs> they might take they might not know yeah. you're a drunk. You know, so it's certain things that people see <laughs> about you when you get outside of uniform that they, they they might not be able to just immediately just forget all of that stuff the next day at work when they show up late and you gotta talk to them like, yo, you the same dude that just fell into your drink last night. <laughs> like, like like who do you think you're talking to? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and it's 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 pretty rough out there too, man. Like like, I was thinking back when, um, especially when you first make make chief, 
you first make chief and you friends with all the, the E6 and below and your homies and you probably had a drink together. That's where it's really, really hard to like, you know, not try to be friends with these guys yeah. no more. And, and it's, it goes both ways, too, though. So that's 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 really hard right there for a lot of sailors to to, to get rid of that habit of going, talking to these guys about whatever and doing whatever. So it's pretty rough. It's crazy. I had the I had the benefit of always making rank as soon as I got to a new command or or leaving a command or something like that. Always. So I never really knew people at okay. the lower rank. Like soon as I got to after I left my first ship, I made um uh first. Like right after I left my first ship. Then I went somewhere else. I I went T A D, I made chief. Um now I'm at a brand new command and I, I'm AC in chief. So yeah, it's always, good. you know, but Hey, let's get back to the devil. Let's get back to the devil thing. Um, all right. So we, we still close to entrance onto a ship, right? So, well, first off before, before all of this, what even made you decide to become an officer in the Navy? I always uh, point back to, I guess, good role models I had in my life. So my dad, number one was in the Navy. Um, you know, he yeah. served four years. He did his enlistment and he got out, but, the stories he told me and the way he presented the Navy, I always thought, well, this is cool. Like, I want to do this. My dad's my hero. I want to follow in his footsteps. I have a great uncle who was in the Navy, also enlisted. You know, he did his 20 years, retired. Uh, grandpa, Marine Corps. So I had a military-oriented family. I also grew up around uh, folks in the military through organizations like uh, AMBETS, American Veterans. Um, so, you know, grew up working with and volunteering with and interacting with people who had been in World War II, Vietnam, Korea, you know, uh, the Gulf Wars, like, so I always wanted to join. And I think I ultimately picked the Navy because, you know, my dad was in the Navy, right? That's what I defaulted to. Um, now, the officer piece is interesting because I always thought that I was going to enlist, right? I was going to join the Navy. I was going to get my GI Bill, and I was going to use that to go to college with after I was done, you know, with, with the Navy. Um, the officer thing started to pop in my head for a few reasons. One, uh, you know, I had conversations with my dad about it and kind of realized that was probably a better way to go Two, I had watched Top Gun. If you've never seen it, great movie, Tom Cruise. <laughs> that's our movie for the day. That's, yeah. that's our review. Tom Cruise, you know, super <laughs> handsome, uh, jet pilot. So I was like watching that and I was like, yeah, it'd be really cool to fly a plane. So, <laughs> so that, those two things, I hate to say it's just those two, a few good men, also Tom Cruise, Navy officer, right? Like it just looked cool. It's like, man, I want to be that guy with the gold stripes on my jacket, yeah. like, you know, shutting down an, uh, a colonel in a courtroom or whatever. So all those kind of culminated. And that's why I realized, you know what, I'm just going to go to college. You know, I'll figure out the money piece. I'm going to go to college and then try to get an ROTC, which didn't really work out because of just timing as far as credits and scholarships and all that stuff. So I was like, well, uh, I got advice from the folks there in college. The ROTC instructors, hey, just finish as quick as you can. Apply to OCS. You'll be an officer. Like, your timing you really won't be that jacked up. And that's kind of where it went. So, um I think I could be, I think regardless, I was going to be in the military, but just kind of the specific experiences I had, conversations with folks kind of directed me to be a Navy officer specifically. Okay. So if I'm a, if, if, if I'm a kid right now and in, in high school, stuff. it's funny that, you know, the, the, what, insp what made you think about the Navy was like, you know, actual war heroes, you know what I'm saying? Like what made right. me think about being in the Navy was my uncle had a party and everybody put up in Benzes and BMWs and, and they all was retired military. I was like, oh, oh man, okay. if, yeah. if I want a Benz, I could, I could join the military. And uh, I still don't, I still don't have my Benz yet, but you know, that, that's, that's, mm. yeah, you're on your way, man. You're on your way real man. soon. But, um, all right. So I'm <laughs> young. I'm in high school. I'm doing great. Um, uh, 
you know, and I want to, I'm like, all right, I want to be an officer. I don't right. want to go uh, the academy route. I want to go to college. Um, what, what, what should I be thinking? Is it anything else outside of what you said already that I should be thinking about if I want to be an officer in the Navy? I would just say, first and foremost, you got to get your education, right? So if, if you're just trying to you know, be an entry-level officer, right, we're not talking the LDO warrant types. It's, you know, it's own path that involves enlisting and all that stuff. But if you're just wanting to join, you got to get your bachelor education done, right? And then it, really the question comes down to, am I going to pay for it or is the Navy going to pay for it? So if you don't want to go the academy route, obviously you have ROTC. So ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, uh, it's a program where you're basically, you know, you're indoctrinated into the military lifestyle. You're with the military unit there at the university, right? So you're in a, a group of midshipmen, you know, freshmen through seniors. You have Navy lieutenants and, you know, commanders and even 06 captains, right, that are kind of running that unit you know, running the instruction, you do that piece, you can, you can try to get a scholarship outright. So before you even arrive, you know, you apply, you get selected for a scholarship. Um, you have folks that get scholarships while they're already in. So they join, maybe they don't get that four year scholarship. They do the ROTC thing for a year. They apply for a three year scholarship. Uh, there's folks who don't get that. Uh, however, they can still stay in ROTC and commission. They just end up kind of footing the bill for college, right? Mm -hmm. uh, through like advanced standing, I think is their term for it. So first and foremost, though, you got to get the education taken care of. If you don't want to do ROTC, let's say you want to go to college, you want to have the full college experience, you don't want to wake up early and do PT or, you know, go do weird stuff in the summer, like get away on ships or, you know, be with different types of units. You can absolutely do that. Uh, you go through your normal undergrad process as fast as you want. And then you just work with an officer recruiter as you get closer to graduating. And those are the folks that set you up for uh, OCS, essentially. Uh, or... You know, if you're maybe leaning towards, say, you're leaning towards law school or nursing school, you know, or medical school or whatever, there's specific programs that you can do there uh, where the Navy might commission you. It might foot the bill for you to go to those specialized schools. Um, and then you enter the service as, you know, a nurse, a lawyer, a doctor, what have you. Uh, that's kind of through more of the ODS, right, officer development school, uh, even in some cases, DCO, direct commission officer uh, pipelines. So. First and foremost, though, you got to get your education. You got to get your bachelor degree sorted out. And then you really got to work with an officer recruiter if you're not doing the ROTC route to figure out what options are available to you. Mm -hmm. And then where would I find an officer recruiter? Just at the regular recruiting station? So, no. So, um, officer recruiters are weird in that they're obviously there's less officers in the military, so there are less officer recruiters. So, uh, I was lucky in that Tampa, which is, you know, a large city, had an officer recruiter there at the recruiting station. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to school... Maybe you're going to a smaller school, kind of out in the boonies. Uh, it's a simple Google. The Navy also has websites that kind of provide you the location of an officer recruiter, but you might have to make a drive uh, to go see that person, you know, an hour, two hours to a, a major city to yeah. get there. Did you have to do interviews or anything? So I'm trying to remember because I get I was applying for the ROTC scholarship, so I often get those two experiences mm -hmm. kind of mixed up. Um, from what I remember – I did not have to do an interview with an officer, but I did have to do things like a motivational statement. So talking about why I wanted to join the community I was applying for, which I initially wanted to be a pilot, right? So I'd applied to be a pilot and I was writing as if I were going to be a pilot, my motivational statement. Um, you also have to take uh, the ASTB, which you could think of as the um, ASVAB, just it's, you know, for officers essentially. So it's, um, there's like an OAR, which is an officer aptitude rating that you get from that. 
and that kind of determines uh, your eligibility for certain communities or to be an officer in general. And then there's even a flight portion if you want to be a pilot NFO type where you essentially get line scores on how you perform on this uh, weird kind of makeshift flight simulator game that they yeah. give you. But uh, but so you do those testing, you do your motivational statements, uh, you know, you collect everything from your college transcripts to medical history stuff, kind of normal yeah. entering the military paperwork. Uh, and then that gets submitted to a board. Uh, for whatever community you're applying to. So uh, I think the pilot board that I had went for was happening twice a year. So I was getting my stuff submitted for one of those two boards that year. And they review all the applicants, uh, ultimately make the call as uh, who okay. they want. So that's like, that's like varsity basketball, pretty much. Where, where, uh, I, I, yeah, it's just probably a little bit less list paperwork. outside the yeah. gym. And you, 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 <laughs> you, I, I know you probably been, you've been through that, David, where it's a list outside the gym, and you ain't going to that damn gym if you ain't on the list day two. <laughs> like, yeah, it's my name. On yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you it's, it's exactly. Right away. Hey, you, want, you, you got your boy like, hey, man, was you on there? <laughs> nah, man. You know what I'm saying? You hope he not, but he is. So with the officer, uh, oh, with the uh, uh, flight, uh, flying and being a pilot, when, right. how early on did you realize that you weren't going to be a pilot? So that's a funny story because, uh, I was good. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I got accepted to, uh, be, it's called SNA student naval aviator, right? That's what they call you before you're actually a pilot winged. So I got picked up for it to go to OCS and, you know, I signed the whole flight agreement. Uh, we have to go through MEPS as well. So just like that's kind of unique about the OCX ex experience is you get sent to MEPS with everyone else enlisting in the military. So, uh, you know, I did my physicals there. I was fine. I got to Newport, Rhode Island, where I am now for officer candidate school, went through some physicals and I thought I was good. I had a I was supposed to get an EKG. Right. The machine wasn't working like it literally was given some crazy results. And guys, like, hey, this isn't working. We're just going to have you go see a cardiologist and they'll just do the full thing. Right. And I was like, OK. I go to the cardiologist, they do like an ultrasound in my heart and she's looking at it and she's like, yeah, you know, you got this valve that leaks a little bit, but that's pretty normal. Like I wouldn't worry about that too much. And I was like, sweet, you know, sounds good. So I didn't hear anything. Mm -hmm. That was on like week two, I think of the 12 weeks OCS. Uh, like the very last week of OCS, I was called to my class officer's office upstairs thinking I was getting my orders to go to Pensacola to go to flight school because everyone was getting their orders yeah. like in those two days. So I went up there like super pumped, got my orders. And then she handed me a letter from NAMI, which is the medical institute uh, for pilots. I don't know the exact breakdown of it, but it's like their flight medicine institute, essentially. Uh, and they gave me a letter from NAMI saying, hey, so we heard about Dang. your heart. That's a no-go. <laughs> uh, that was the summary of it. And then it was this wild game of, you know, my family was coming for my yeah. graduation like days later thinking that I was going to leave with them, right? I was going to go back to North Carolina. I was going to get my stuff together. And then I'd be going to Pensacola from there. Now, I, like, I couldn't even commission because I didn't have a community to commission into. So that then turned into three months of me waiting around. Uh, I graduated, right? But then I was waiting around in student pools, what they called it, which is just, once again, an island of lost toys. People who can't commission or people who have quit OCS for whatever reason, like they dropped on request. Uh, people are also in like medical hold statuses and stuff are in there. So I waited three months just kind of doing odd jobs, working in the mailroom, driving a duty van. Um, no rank insignia, yeah. khaki belt, no rank insignia, really <laughs> weird. Uh, and then eventually, you know, I had the opportunity to kind of redesignate myself to be a SWO, uh, go on that pipeline. And once I got the check mark from them, I commissioned and, you know, got orders to 
uh, you know, USS first ship. So okay, so between college and first ship, right? It's somewhere else you went, right? Between college and first ship. Yeah. So I went. Uh, so I went to OCS in Newport, and then I had. I got my orders. My orders had me go be stashed at uh, Surf Pack, right, in San Diego. Uh So uh, they had recently changed it. They used to send SWO ensigns, right? As soon as they got commissioned, they went to their ships, like, right away. Mm -hmm. They still had school, but they were basically going to their ships as an I-stop type deal. Well, uh, they kind of looked at that process. They said, well, you know, the SWO boss at the time said, I don't want unqualified or untrained, rather, ensigns just stepping on ships that don't know anything. So then they made the requirement for BDOC, the basic division officer course, to happen before you got to your first yeah. ship. So I was in, I was like one of the first people actually impacted by that guidance. So I got stashed at Surfpack just doing, you know, random admin work with a the group there before my BDOC started. Uh, so I did that for like six weeks, I want to say. I went to BDOC and then I got to the ship after graduating. BDOC, BDOC always seemed to me like the com, the combine, man. Like, like. <laughs> You ever you ever heard them talk about an officer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he I hear some stories. Yeah, running, uh, I be hearing the stories too. He running the forty yeah. in like four point four. It's <laughs> B docs a really funny environment because it's <laughs> for a lot of people the first, at least for in my case, it was the first like SWO training I really got. They do a little bit of stuff in OCS, but it happens so fast and so abruptly, and you're doing it with people who aren't going to be SWOs, so they don't care, right? So, but. VDOC's the first time you really kind of get into a, a ship simulator and you got to drive a ship around and you got to start learning stuff that you've never even seen, right? They're teaching you about, you know, vertical offset, you know, fire main loops. It's like, I don't even know what a, what fire main is, you know? Yeah. So it's, or they're talking, you know, they're talking, <laughs> they're teaching you stuff that I had no context for. Now, the people that were in the room with me, most of them had been in their mm-hmm. ships, so they knew. I had no idea, like, what was going on. Uh, I remember getting in the ship simulator for the first time and just backing straight into a cruiser, just like destroying it. Um, and just thinking like, man, like this isn't really super easy, like, or it doesn't come to me as naturally maybe as it did to other people. So if you were to think of it, like as the combine, that's fair, except it's like the combine, except half the people there have never played football and the other half have. So it's like, (laughs) uh, it's an interesting group of people and definitely interesting like results, which is cool now to be an ADOC, right? The second, you know, the second devotor schooling. And now people are kind of standardizing what they know yeah. and don't know. Because so. I, I know when y'all go through BDOC, the word is like, hey, such and such is coming. He's okay. And such and such is coming. <laughs> yeah, I will say that it's funny how the, you know, we kind of start to understand our community really well. At OCS, you know, you meet a few people who are going to be swos. And then at BDOC, you meet, they're all swos, right? So you start to meet and learn people and understand, like, who you like. Who might be a problem? You know, yeah. that, so that whole uh, idea. Um, also, there's some people that just they have rough starts at BDOC, or maybe they don't pass something on the first time, and maybe they get unfairly, or sometimes fairly, kind of judged because of that. Because it's like, well, they were supposed to be here then, but then this happened, this happened. So some people are kind of fighting for their reputations before they even get the ship because of what happens at BDOC. So yeah, yep, yep. So I, I got a question for you, sir. So What's the path like when you get on a ship, or even before you get to the ship? What is, what is the the officer path to success? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to go? When, right. I mean, job wise, are you trying to go like your first divo tour, and then you trying to be nav like you're doing now, or are you trying to be something else? What's the the path that the ideal path anyway that that you want to try to follow? I guess for the swos, right? Because you know it's 
it's hard to speak to how other communities kind of encourage officers to succeed or how they want yeah, them yeah. to develop. Yeah. At least for the SWOs, I know the idea is that you got to get on your first ship and you have to get qualified, right? That's the thing that they always stress is, you know, no matter what, kind of what happens with it unfairly, in my opinion, but um, no matter what happens in your division or what kind of chief you have or what he does, like you still have to have a keen focus on getting qualified because that's, mm. you know, it's a requirement to move on. So first and foremost, you got to get qualified. So you have to figure out, you know, what qualifications do I need to obtain? What are the prerequisites? What kind of watch UIs do I need to be standing? Or what kind of evolutions do I need to be inserting myself into? Who can help me study this topic? So that's that's huge. Number one, you got to get qualified, I think. Number two, you have to at least obtain a basic understanding of how to be a division officer and how to just be a leader in the Navy. And that kind of comes with working with your chief, hopefully, or you know, if you don't have that good chief, someone who's going to take care of you, whether it be a DLCPO, a first class in your division, uh, a first class in your department, or another chief in your department. Someone kind of has to show you the way of being just a leader and a manager on board a ship. Um, ultimately, from there, like once you've kind of gotten the, I know how to be a divo piece as far as leading in the division and um, got the good path of being qualified, I think then the route is being a good watch center, being a good OD, right? The junior officers stand, for the most part, bridge watch. Now, there are people that move on. They stand watches in combat. You know, they start working on their EL. But the goal is for them to be proficient ship handlers and decision makers on the bridge. So I think if you're, if we're looking at a, the standard of succeeding, you're getting qualified, you're a good divo, you need to be a great bridge watch standard. Or you need to be someone that can be relied upon to keep the ship safe at night or during an unrep or during a scene anchor or something to that effect. Um, and then really from there, you kind of get into the – you know, the extras, if you can do them, you want to get your EL. You want to, you know, if you can't get down in combat and sit, you know, surface or uh, air warfare coordinator type stuff uh, and start looking at kind of what's going to be required of you as you, like, go towards the department head level. Now, so, is it competitive in the ward room? I would say that there's a level of competitiveness there, yes. But really, most of the competition, I think, is kind of with yourself. There are other people that it's just like any pay grade in the Navy, right? You're going to be evaluated against those people mm -hmm. at some point when you do your your fit you know your fitness reports, but it's as far as divos go, there's a lot more camaraderie there and kind of family there than there is competition because we all understand it's a grind. We all understand how hard it is to get qualified or how hard the experience is of a first tour division officer. So what I liked about the wardroom, at least with the divos, is that there was teamwork and to make sure people understood what they needed to get qualified. There was teamwork in hey, can you please cover my watch? I have to do X, Y, and Z, or can you just help me with this? So there is competition in a sense, but it's not – the competition, in my opinion, never outweighs the community family side of it, at least in our wardroom. There are certainly wardrooms where there, mm. there are toxic wardrooms out there where people you know, are competing with each other. They don't want to help people, but I think that's less prevalent. Yeah. Well, from me as a, you know, one of the chiefs, I was kind of competitive because of – uh, USS last ship, we had a board outside the wardroom, and it had little stickers on oh, yeah. it. Oh, on the divos getting quad and where was it? Where were they? You know, the status of their quals and stuff. So I remember all the time <laughs> telling my divo, like, "What's going on? You know, we we need to get yeah. get these quals check marks on these quals need to get knocked out." But so, but you're right though. Um, my my divos were never like competitive like that, but I was being competitive towards it though because yeah. I wanted him to get qualified and get his stuff knocked out, you know. So now yeah. for me, I will say like I can't just act like I'm the most you know humble person here. Like in my head, I'm you know I'm outwardly nice to people and I want to help people, but in my head it's like I gotta yeah. beat them. Like I gotta do this. 
Yeah. I gotta beat them to <laughs> this qual. I have to do better than them at this. Like, yeah. So most of that competition, though, I feel like is most people internalize it. It's you know they push themselves to maybe try to be better than those around them, but they're never like outwardly like putting people on the wrong path or yeah. like, misleading folks in the wardroom. Yeah. And it's a big difference when you say that because the difference is yes, I want to beat you, but I also want to bring you along. Yeah, I, yeah. you know what I mean. I think that's the that's the biggest difference. Of course, right? I I want to finish first, but I yeah. you know I'll carry I, you to second. I want to kill, and I want us to be the best team yeah. possible. You know what I'm saying? I want to be a killer on the best team. Yeah. I was telling them that when I um when I got pinned to senior chief, like yeah, I want to be the best that I can be, but I want everybody around me to be the best that we could be as well. You know what I'm saying? All right, so uh, first day. Yeah. No on a ship uh was that that was the well no because you you did like a midshipman tour in the war room before did you ever do a a, a midshipman tour and you ate in the war room on it on another ship no no because no because i i went to ocs right so i never had any sort of uh i did okay. nothing Navy uh, so you go so you, as an officer, so the first so. time you ate in the war room was when you first entered the ship my first day. okay so how is how is that experience just the introduction into the war room experience <laughs> it's super weird i'll say that because one you don't so they build it up you anyone that doesn't know anything about a wardroom right you have to ask the most senior person there if you can sit down mm-hmm. and eat with them which seems archaic but it's tradition it's something we follow uh the thing is you don't know who anyone is uh but everyone knows that you're new so it, i remember it being awkward just like walking in and i think it was like our old stove uh, you know, who I always had funny interactions mm-hmm. with, period. But uh, I remember it was like our old stoic just like looking at me sideways and I asked <laughs> to join him. I think I asked the wrong person. So he like pointed to someone. I was like, oh, it's not me. You got to ask him. And uh, so then I finally asked the right person. I awkwardly sit down because like, I, all right, I'm seated. Then I realized I had to go stand up to like get my food. So I awkwardly <laughs> sit down and then I awkwardly stand up and cross the room. No one's really yeah. talking. Like it was, it was super, <laughs> it was super strange. And I remember thinking like, it just, normal social experiences with humans that was probably one of the weirder ones i've like you know ever had like at least a new guy yeah, moment. yeah it's cut so like you one. got you feeling like oliver twisted that <laughs> it's cut like yeah, that like, like uh, you yeah. know it, especially <laughs> when everybody's like known each other and they all talking and like coking and joking and you just kind of got to be quiet if you insert yourself no matter what you say might sound weird and shit like that like I, that's how it is when you walk in the chiefs mess you know for the first time it's a little different because you greet, you, you kind of greet. Uh, I remember walking in there and uh, somebody was like, hey, man, you need, to, you need to introduce yourself. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. grab my food first and then I'm, I'm going to introduce myself, man. So It's funny because I think about going to my next shift and I thought about how easy it was. You just go in the wardroom when it's packed and you just like you get everybody's <laughs> attention. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Like, I'm going to sit down now. You know, like, I know I'd probably never do that, but at least that would like slice a lot yeah, of that weirdness off. I think one of the like great... Yeah things about the navy is the fact that you could be new over and over and over again <laughs> you, yeah, you, you could be the new yeah. guy and i love it I, I used to i told my friend man i used to it used to discourage me like yeah. when i was a junior seller like man like i gotta prove myself again to this group of people they don't know me they don't know my background they don't care about it i gotta prove who i am now i love i like i like cherish the moments when i don't know some shit like yeah i, I love that i like don't know this yet because one day <laughs> I'm going to notice and I'm going to be the guy, you know what I'm saying? But I love not knowing it. I love learning from, um, you know, those mistakes. Yeah. We was just talking last week about me having duty and just how, you know, how, <laughs> how bad it was for me. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I love those moments, man. For sure. 
Yeah, uh, I was talking about it, like when the first time you make chief and you go to chief best until like now, like right, like when I first went in there. Yeah, didn't say nothing, didn't talk, try to ease my way around. But now I can go, I go in any chief mess and I go in and introduce myself and be like loud and be like whoever I want to be. But that comes with the time and, you know, and doing it for a while and stuff like that. But I remember my first time, man, it, it took me a minute to like yeah, get yeah. comfortable. I remember, you know, uh, in there. I remember when so I, uh, I, CMC, when we, when I first got to the ship after I made chief and, you know, we would do the, the creed. We would, do, we, we would do chief's training and we would do the creed. And I, I just knew, I'm like, yo, when they call me somehow i'm gonna fuck something up like i just knew it like i'm like y'all gonna fuck something up you know what i'm saying so and all i know at this point was there was like about from doing a creed is from when i was a chief select you know what i'm saying so i know how to like so it's like attention to the seller's creed so i remember when they <laughs> they was like all right double do the creed and i'm like attention to the seller's creed and then julia was like what you doing <laughs> like, like why you <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember so look, that. Look, that's a, look, that's another reason why I had to work hard, oh, man. Because he, because he was clowning me for that shit, and I want him to know me. <laughs> yeah, 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 I had to overcome moment, my attention yeah. to the creed moment, yeah. so I had to work yeah. hard. Yeah. I, was, I was busting my ass on that paperwork uh, so he could forget that, man. <laughs> yeah, that's man. Funny. All right, so the culture. All right, like so that's the funny. culture in the war room, right? I mean, well, only war room that you know the most about, of course. It, you know, is it, your is your right. war room. But I remember a, a few moments just, you know, just being semio and I can't get too deep into it where I was reminded that the culture could be pretty cutthroat. Um, is that like, well, how, how is that? What is that? I don't know if I'd necessarily call it cutthroat. I'm sure it's different than the chief's mess and that in the chief's mess, you know, you guys are a fraternity, right? Everyone is, you know, on the same page and you, you're equals. I mean, in a lot of ways, like obviously there's, you know, CMC and, your DLCBOs, but you guys are equals in that at least you treat each other as brother and sister. The wardroom is different uh -huh. because you're eating with the captain, you know, and the XO and your department heads, uh, your direct supervisors. So it's it's a little bit different uh, in that respect. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it cutthroat, though. Um, the wardroom can just be kind of the SWO culture, at least the older SWO culture is kind of like, you know, SWOs eat their uh -huh. young. They're really hard on divos. Um, you know, you're going to have unpleasant experiences. The culture... I think, or at least the culture of the community is getting better. And on our ship, I think it was oh. you know, one of the better examples of a wardroom probably in the Navy. So I never really felt like it was cutthroat per se. But Now, does that change as commanding officers change, the tone of the, the, tone of the wardroom? Is that something that you uh, could observe would change? I think the commanding officer has way less of an impact than most people would think. Um, okay. Because ultimately, most of the wardroom are first and second tour division officers, right? And then even some LDOs and warrants. Like, we make up the majority, which, you know, we it was pretty funny. We left something to a vote one time in the wardroom about having law, like bylaws, right? About having rules. And obviously, it lost a majority vote because the majority of the people in there were divos that didn't want to do that nonsense or whatever. So. But I think it's funny that we make up most of the wardroom, so we kind of define, for the most part, what the culture looks like, at least for most of the group. So, you know, your first and second tour divos, you know, your warrant officers and your LDOs, I feel like are really, they're more of the culture than your department heads and the XO and CO are. Now, it, when we're talking about strictly like being in the wardroom for a meal or something, like, yeah, a weird captain can make the conversation really weird. Or, mm -hmm. uh, But in terms of just the wardroom as like a community construct, I think that the divos defined what that looks like for the most part. Okay. 
I remember when I was on um, Rom and I, I called you. I was in a. Um, I called you. I, I I was having a conversation with a divo, uh, a new divo who hadn't you know been on the ship yet, and we were talking. And you know, and the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm like, man, like that real life experience is going to be shell shocking, you know? Because I'm like, hey, what do you um, think that you need to know when you first you know go on a ship? And he's like, yeah, I need to know. My 3M, I need to know my basic DC. I need to know. Now, I'm not laughing. <laughs> I hear you laughing. I'm not laughing. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. Just to, yeah, it might, it might, yeah. yeah, it might be kind of funny. Uh, that. But um, he's like, yeah, I need to know my 3M. I need to know my basic DC. Yeah. And I need Close to understand. Yeah. yeah like, something yeah. like that. And I'm like, and I was like, yo, at that, at that moment, I was like, fuck. I need to call. <laughs> I was like, I need to call Lieutenant JG Davis. I need to talk to some divo that I could find at the moment because uh, Mr. Castaneda had left at that time too. So I'm like, I need to talk to a divo that I've worked with for a while so they could tell this guy yeah. a little bit more of like the truth. You know what I'm saying? So, but you do right now. I know we got some divos that's probably on our way to the first ship that read every single black and white, you know, uh, document that they feel like they could read. Um, and that, as good as that is and as viable as that is, what's one of the most valuable kind of things that you need to know going into that uh, first division? Yeah. So I laughed a moment ago because like what he was saying is kind of what we're preached to. Right. You need to get qualified. Thou shall get qualified. So he's talking about like what you need to know. He's thinking about, oh, well, qualifications to get qualified. I got to know this. Mm -hmm. I think what's more important is that, you know, your job and, you know, your people. And you know what's going on around you because the qualifications, the knowledge, it will come. We have 30 months on our first tour to get qualified, right? Now, people want to press you to do that faster because um, you can do it much faster, obviously, than the time you're afforded. But, you know, some people use their whole time and that's okay, too. The thing is, the knowledge will come. What will not come is setting a bad impression on your sailors and in your division and your department. So if you show up and you just simply want to be worried about qualifications and you want to let chief or first class run things, that's a problem. Because one, you're not developing as a leader. You're not understanding what your division does or what your people do, kind of what makes them tick. Um, the problems they're having both as sailors and as, you know, just human beings outside of the ship too. So I think number one, you got to know your job. You have to know because you are this black and, you know, you're the black and white so-and-so officer. You, you in a sense are supposed to embody that division and what they do. So if you don't know, your people's jobs or kind of their structure, what they go through on a day-to-day -day basis, you're wrong in mm -hmm. them because you represent them, you know, whether you know it or not. Um, and part of that is working with your chief to develop that relationship. So you have to, you have to own what you do first and foremost. Um, and I think that's more important than getting on ship in day one, getting a, you know, a 3M 301 PQS, you know, yeah. or your 304 PQS. It's first of all, figure out where your rack is, figure out where you pee, figure out where you eat lunch. And then immediately get started figuring out your people and your role on that ship and how you're supposed to interact with your sailors, I think is more important than anything, because that will set you up for success. People knowing that you're an effective division officer that cares, that puts in the time, that's going to propel you to get quals. It's going to propel your chain of command to trust you um, and maybe a UI position or something that they don't necessarily want to give another divo who doesn't really, uh, you know, provide value to the ship or to the, you know, the mission. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you, I had a, a wake up moment before uh, when I was a, a brand new chief and I had my devil um, and I we, we had the XO call um, us up there to a stateroom. It's on my like first ship. And he then the, the XO was a, a, 
uh, captain. So we go up there, and time we get in there, we stand up, and he's 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 talking about some maintenance stuff, which I don't know why Fool Birds is talking about this maintenance mm-hmm. stuff, but he talking about. It. I think it was a it was a training thing. I, that's what I think it really was. And he um he told me not to talk. Pretty much, a <laughs> a I don't want to hear from you, you know, uh, Chief. He said I don't want to hear. He said I don't want to hear from you. And he asked my divo a question, mm. and my divo didn't have a clue. And that was my wake up moment as a chief, because we wasn't on the same page. I didn't give, and it wasn't his fault. Right, it was my fault, because I knew the information, but he didn't know the information. Now, to my defense, I ain't have a time to tell him, but still, the fact that I didn't yeah. know he was going to ask that question on the way up yeah. there, you know what I mean? But, but it's the that was my wake up moment. It's like, hey, when I know something, I got to make sure that we share this information. We on the same page, and I remember, man, that being my like wake up moment because the whole time he's talking to the divo, <laughs> he's looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah what I mean? for he's, sure. he's he's looking right at me because yeah, he knows yeah. I didn't share this. It, it's really he getting on the divo, but at the same time he looking at me because I didn't give him that information. Yeah, and that, I remember that, that being to me. My, my wake up call right there. <laughs> that happened to me before, man. I went up to uh to talk to the XO. Uh same XO we've been talking about. But I went up to talk to the XO and I was wet. Matter of fact, I'm coming down from somewhere and I see Devo. Devo like, hey, we need to go talk to uh XO about this light so he goes to tell the xo that we changed out the light he's like hey sir you know we changed the light it was a bad balance <laughs> so i'm sitting there and i'm you know just you know that i'm still kind of new so uh he was like well what is a balance like how does it look you know she's he throw like a hundred questions out of it like eight when he seconds. knew though he knew the answer what's though, a right? balance how does it look yo he ain't no shit oh he didn't know <laughs> he was like no he ain't he didn't know and like so the whole time he was like i told you and that's really really fucked me up because he was like i told you to find out what a balance was before you came back up here and i'm in my head like damn i ain't know none of this shit so we get out the we get out the you know the exo state room i'm like hey, dude, from now on <laughs> Make sure I know what we like going into, dude. So, you know, after that, that's why I was like, when you came, I was well prepared for those kind of moments. Like, all right, we're going to be good to go. I'm not going to talk. He'll talk. If I have to talk, you know, I'll talk and we good to go because that was a bad setup, man. I just watched him get shot at. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that you, your devo's got to take pride in knowing that stuff too, because I feel like I always wanted to be able to yeah. go somewhere without you. I didn't want, I didn't want you to be tailing me everywhere I went. So I remember thinking like, I gotta get up to speed because I want to just go talk to Chang, XO, CO, and be able to explain what's going on and not need EMC over my shoulder. Now, if it was important, I'm gonna bring you right because the, you know, I feel like I could jump back in the electro job today, but I can't necessarily tell you what was wrong yeah. with that scullery, you know, but. <laughs> um, but still, like, I wanted to at least have a basic level of understanding so that, you know, I could kind of operate independently for the most part and backfill you later. And I think you have to take some pride in knowing your job, you know, and knowing what you do uh, to kind of get to that level. Yeah. Well, I had a man, I got another, I got to get one more story in, man. Before what happened? About, about the, the same exit we was talking about, too, um, is that I went to, I had my devil with me, and I guess alone, maybe back two days ago, the uh, XO caught my devil in the P way and to- asked him about this wrench that was missing, you know, in mm-hmm. the P way. So how about the XO that went to that same spot 
the wrench wasn't there, right? So <laughs> we go up there to talk about something totally different. And guess what? We did not even talk about what we went up there to talk about. <laughs> so the first question was, did you replace that wrench? He already knew he didn't replace the wrench. He just left there, right? Yeah. And, he, and, man, he, like, and I was just sitting there because I didn't know anything about a wrench. I didn't even know about it. He just asked the demo about this wrench. I didn't know about the wrench, nothing. So, man, he ate my divo up up there. And I'm feeling bad because he didn't let yeah. me know me. He was like, oh, you want to step up? He's, I was listening to it, man. He just ate him up up there, man. Time we left by that door, man, we got that wrench. <laughs> and put that wrench up there for him, man. I was safe. I said, sir, I'm going to save your life right now. Let me go with this wrench. That's crazy, yeah, man. man. Hey, um, I, I, I do want to take a second for one uh, second um, and read something real quick. The 13 U.S. service members killed in Cabal Airport attack, what we know so far. Yep. A flag flies at half-staff at Miramar National Cemetery Cemetery on Friday in San Diego after more than 170 people and 13 U.S. service members were killed in a terrorist attack outside the airport in Kabul. Yeah, man. Um, Sad. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't... We, we try to... Uh, you know, stay away from a lot of the super uh, tactical or political stuff that got to do with the Navy and talk more about personal stuff, job stuff like that. But that's just, that's a hurt piece. Um, none of these people um, really, and you know, in my opinion, needed to, to die. Uh, so, uh, you know, rest well to these people as well. This episode is also dedicated to everybody that we lost uh, in, that, in that one. And I know you normally got something real good to say about these things, so I do want to turn it over to you and see if you got any input on this one. I just say, you know, obviously, you know, the heart heart has to go out to those families and those uh, those Marines and the sailor we lost. You know, everyone who has social media, I just encourage you to take a moment. If you open up Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, what have you, you're going to see their faces, right? You need to see their faces. You need to read their names. You need to understand that we lost these people. Uh, in an attempt to both get out, you know, our civilians and diplomats from Afghanistan, as well as those uh, Afghanis who have helped us. I think that it's worth noting that we knew this attack was going to happen, right? We had directed civilians to stay away from the airport uh, because we had credible intelligence that attack was going to happen. So I do have some concerns and questions over why those folks still passed away, despite mm -hmm. the fact that we had this intelligence. And you know, maybe more could have been done either on the ground or at the kind of Pentagon level as far as directing our, our movements for that day's evolution. Um, obviously, more is going to come out on this. I uh, just encourage everyone right now that, you know, there's a lot of people spun around the ball with this whole Afghanistan thing. There's, you know, people go from being couch potatoes yeah. to strategic military thinkers when stuff like this happens, right? Um, your average person. Um, I just encourage those folks to take a moment to step away kind of from the debate and the politics and to look at those people we lost and understand the sacrifices our service members make every day um, out in the real world. Um, and this is not just the folks we lost in that airport attack. These are the folks we've lost throughout the entire Afghanistan campaign. You know, it's the folks that we've lost um, in collisions at sea. It's the folks that we've lost in aircraft mishaps and other um, troops and sailors around the world. So understand that we're in a dangerous profession and people have to appreciate that. And you know, before you go post your next hot take on Afghanistan, look at those people, understand the sacrifice they made, um, and just take a moment of silence to understand the the ultimate sacrifice yeah. that many of our service members. And give. it could be any of us. Yeah, 
Most definitely, man. That's it's, it's a sad, but uh, you 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 brought up the uh, making the ultimate sacrifice. Also, uh, one of the new things we've been doing is reading off um, um, the a medal of honor uh, recipient. Right. Uh, speaking of the ultimate sacrifice, um, and then today I want to read off Edwin Joseph Hill. He was a, a chief boatsman mate. Um, and he died December the 7th, 1941 in the Pearl Harbor attack. Um, he was on board the USS Nevada. And I'm going to read his citation. For distinguished conduct in the line of his profession, extraordinary courage and dis- disregard of his own safety during the attack on the fleet in Pearl Harbor by the Japanese forces on 7 December 1941. During the height of the, the strafing and bombing, Chief Bosomate led his men of the line handling detail of the USS Nevada to the, to the quays, cast off lines, and swam back to his ship. Later, while the forecastle attempting to let go of the anchor, he was blown overboard and killed by explosion of several uh, bombers. So, um, for people who didn't understand that, um, he, he uh, started on the pier. And he he um, sent the lines off the ship. Then he swam back to the ship and got back on the forecastle, continuing to fight, and then got blown overboard. Um, and that's that's somebody that's out there that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And that's why we are uh, reading these citations out uh, every week. So there's people out there that are really deserving, and um, we most definitely gonna keep reading these out, man. Yeah, hey, he got his ship underway. Yeah. <laughs> From he got his ship underway, then he swam to the to the ship. Yo, that's crazy, yeah. man. I was about to say if there's a Bosomate museum, he yeah. has to be like the greatest Bosomate that ever yeah. lived. Like that that story is incredible. Like every phase of that was yeah. his and he owned it until the last moment. Yeah, he did he did his job, man. He understood the assignment. He did his yeah. job, man. That's crazy. Just I know we were talking about it earlier cuz this citation is not as long as like Lieutenant uh, Murphy's, but it's that's that's a crazy thing. The difference between, you know, him and uh, Lieutenant Murphy is that he was a boatswain yeah. mate and Lieutenant Murphy was a, a SEAL. Like he had all of that training. Uh he, you know, he learned a whole lot and he was ready prepared. He was prepared for that moment. This boatswain's mate just as ready as, you know, he was for that moment. He never really probably had training and you know, who knows how you react when you're under enemy fire. And he did what a great seller great chief great military member would do and he i mean he paid you know he paid the cost he paid the ultimate you know cost but he he Most he definitely. saved a whole lot of lives in the process so i mean hats hats off to that hats off to him man i do have a question that i you know I, i've been holding it for a while but i think i'm gonna ask ask it right now um it's about midterms uh cdbs um and if like what? A, what it? Midterms and CDBs, right? Uh, I'm gonna start off with you, Damon. Uh, oh, I love them. What's the, I love them. Uh huh. Why? I, I love doing them. But what I do think, uh, I think they should be more standard, though. Which, which, which is, uh-huh. which is, which is they. It's, it's getting there. Um, but I love them because you get to talk to the sailor and find out their thought process, what they thinking, and then you can tr- also try to lead them down the right path. It's, it's tools out there now. That can help out uh, sailors when leading them right on the right path. You got pro, you got the ladder. Things, things are what they working on and help them to get what they at. Because most of the people you are doing CDBs with, most of them are your rate. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and they want to get, you know, they may not say it, but they want to get where you at, you know, and, and what you're doing and how you're doing it. So um, that's a time you can sit down one-on-one, pick their brain, and hopefully they pick your brain also. But then you can also tell, you know, on, on what type of sailor you got. You could ask the right questions. Depending on how you write, you ask your questions, you can kind of tell what type of sailor you got also. Um, and then you want to lead them down the right path. And then you want to truly, uh, truly um, uh, make them feel like you, you, you care about what they doing. That's how people gonna gonna work for it. That's how people gonna run through walls for you when you when your knowledge, right? I'm a firm believer in people follow knowledge, right? So my my um from my experience uh, with CDBs is make sure when you go into a CDB, be prepared. I've seen it too many times where we just get in there and sit down and I hear people talking. They just pulling stuff out of they they butt somewhere they didn't done before. My thing is have your yep. list of questions you want to ask this sailor. Have have a plan when you go in. And when you have a plan, everything kind of falls in place. If you don't, you're not going you're not accomplishing nothing and your sailor know you didn't accomplish anything uh when they leave out of there. So that's my biggest take when you go into CDB or, you know, midterms or whatever. And one more piece I I was talking about kind of like CDBs, my other midterm um that we did at our last command. I kind of everybody wasn't on the same page with it. Everybody didn't like it. Me personally, I liked it. And what I'm talking about is we pretty much wrote a full eval and got ranked during our midterm. Right? I liked it. I liked it because the fact that um you kind of know where you at and it was straightforward. If if you got say 15 chiefs, when you leave out of there, you're gonna know what you need to work on, you know, to to get to that next level or get to wherever you're trying to get. Um, and I kind of like that, you know, I know a lot of times it was strength and weaknesses and all this type of stuff. I kind of like the fact that we, we wrote an eval, we know where we at, and it wasn't sugarcoated in my experience when we did it, it wasn't a sugarcoated thing. It's pretty much telling you where you at right now. So I like that. Is, is it value in the Divo being at any of those? Yes. It's a hundred percent. Um, um, and, and, and that's another piece that, that I, because of the fact of, you don't know your sailor may want to be an officer or maybe want to be instead I'm saying be like my rating. He may want to be more like what your divo doing. You never mm. know. You never know. But your my, my thing is making sure we put out that information and they know and they knowledgeable about um, the things they want to do in their career. And, and, and I think with the divo being there also another, another thing I like to do is just like we do at quarters. Men of Divo, before we do that CDB, we're going to be prepared. I'm not going to go in there and do all the talking. I want my Divo to talk to. I want everybody <laughs> yeah. to talk. So we're going to go in there and be prepared also together. Mm-hmm. So most definitely valuable for the Divo to be there. Uh, now, a uh, question about the war room. Um, just office, just the officer and um, community, uh, period. Do, is it anything that you think it could be lacking or anything that – you know, we could be doing a little differently or better or any, you know, or just any kind of way. You mean like for the officers or just for just the, just the community general? as a whole? Is it like, how does it like the, the, the visual, the diversity, the, any, you know, any improvements? Cause right. I mean, me personally, I think our, our most senior leadership uh, on a khaki level, uh, like even like, even with the chiefs, I think a lot of us look the same still. Um, you know, I think if you, yes. you put the top, 100%. top, top people in a room together, 
those people look the same. Um, so, yeah, I will speak to that. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I do think it's funny diversity wise how you look at our force, at least in the Navy. The Navy is probably the most diverse branch of the military. I think when you look at the folks serving on ships, you see representation from all 50 states, multiple countries. You have mm -hmm. people, citizens, non-citizens, just the, the backgrounds these people come with as far as age, you know, family or no family, ethnic makeup, um, sexual identity and preference. Like that whole thing is it's it's a huge array of folks. And I always think it's funny, like deck arguably is the most diverse the division you're going to see on most um, ships. But I bet the first lieutenant's white. Like that's that's kind of the funny thing. If, if you look over the deck quarters on a forecastle and you see the young white dude, he's probably the divo. And I think that speaks to the fact that, unfortunately, the officer corps in terms of diversity is behind. Uh, the rest of our force. Um, now, how do we correct that or how do we encourage more diversity? I think there's a few things that could probably take effect. Uh, number one, I think we need to continue to look for more ways to um, take top performing enlisted mm -hmm. personnel and make them officers, right? Whether that be through uh, things like, you know, OCS or Stay 21 uh, or even more of the CWO, LDO pipelines. Like we need to find ways to take top talent and diversity in the enlisted force and get them to the officer ranks so they can continue to excel and kind of contribute a perspective and experience that we don't have a lot of uh, as far as just, you know, entry-level officers. Number two, I think we need to look at the places where we're recruiting officers from. So like what I spoke to earlier is like trying to find an officer recruiter is difficult. You often have to go to a large city. You have to go to like a Charlotte, you know, an Atlanta, uh, Tampa, or a Miami or uh, New York City, if you're kind of living in upstate New York, you have to go to a large city to like find an officer recruiter. And I think that's problematic. I think that more of our colleges, specifically HBCUs, need to have some sort of uh, officer liaison, officer recruiter, or at least someone that can get folks in touch with the proper personnel. And we need to look who we're recruiting out of. Um, unfortunately, most of our, you know, you look at most of our admirals, um, our 06s and 05s kind of in command, and most of them unfortunately are just the kind of cookie cutter, yeah. straight white dude. Um, I will say the Navy has, has done a great job in like promoting um, females to be yeah, at least CEOs probably. of ships. Right now, I think there's you know a record number of, of women commanding ships um, and being put in positions of higher responsibility and even as flag officers. Um, but obviously that's only possible if we're recruiting ensigns, right? Um, and value and diversity, because ultimately I think that's what makes us more effective than our competitors is that we have diversity. Uh, we're going to look for the best uh, decisions, you know, the best policies. We're going to avoid a lot of the groupthink because we have different perspectives and backgrounds that we can contribute to our, our processes okay. or processes. Rather. Uh, worst, worst moment. What was your worst moment as a Divo so far? My worst moment as a Divo so far. Um, okay. So I'll speak. This was, this is definitely my worst moment as a Divo. So, we were getting ready for inserve, so I was in deck at the time. Was getting ready for inserve. At uh, this time, I did not have a chief at all. It was me and another officer. Uh, shout out Andrew Shugan. You know, we kind of went through a lot of a lot of hell together. But it was me and him, and it was you know we had you know BM one, and we had the rest of the deck, and we we're getting ready for inserve. Now there was a lot of stuff that we had to fix. There was a lot of stuff that was not correct. Um, equipment that had to be fixed. Um, you know, instructions and other stuff that had to be updated and just the kind of the way we did business had to be changed. So there I was kind of me and my other divo working to lead some sort of a uh, huge initiative to kind of fix the things we've been doing wrong and be materially sound for insert. 
I distinctly remember mm-hmm. we had been working all day. You know, Deck was doing the whole sunrise to sunset thing because we're working outside. We can only really work during the daylight hours. Uh, and I had a sailor. We were we were basically finishing up. I cut the guys out. We had the J bar davit down. We had to get it back in the, the flower pot, so we call it. So I remember most people had left, and uh, I was telling the sailor like, "Hey, like I need your help with this." Basically, like, uh, and he said, "No, you know, you know, BM one, let me go. I'm gone." And I was like confused, like I was like really taken back. I was like, "I just told this guy like I need your help with something, right?" And he just kept going, like he was off. He was done. I remember the sailor got down to the pier. So I'm on the forecastle. I'm looking down at him. I'm staring from the pier. And we're having this whole back and forth. And I was like, I told you, like, I need your help with this. Like, get back up here, blah, blah, blah. And he basically, he thought I was joking or he didn't understand, like, what I was saying to him at first. Um, and I remember I got upset. Like, I got super upset. And I was basically like, hey, I don't care what BM1 told you. And I remember doing this. And I don't know why I did it. But I, like, grabbed my collar. Like, I grabbed my collar <laughs> and my freshly sewn on JG bars. And I remember saying, like, I told you to come up here. Like, this is, this is, I don't want to get into the whole, like, I'm an officer and you're not, but like, I told you to come yeah. up here and I need your help. And he, he, that, like, from a respect perspective, I understand made him angry, like super angry. I was angry. I was hot. And it turned this whole thing. Sailor ends up leaving. So we talk about it the next day. And that's when I kind of realized, like, there was a thousand different ways I could have handled that, right? Obviously, there was a thousand different ways he could have handled it. But I think in that moment, I lost touch with who I was and what I was doing, right? I was, I became more concerned in that someone, you know, I felt disrespected and I had that moment of like, no, like you owe me this, like you have to do this for me. And I wasn't looking at the human side. I kind of, what would, what was going on? How how much I'd asked from these guys for weeks. um, And even the weeks that followed that, all the shit I put them through, all the kind of stuff we were working towards. uh, And that's when that moment boiled over. And that's, I kind of thought about as, you know, I got to handle that differently. I have to carry myself differently. I can't let those like thoughts kind of push to the forefront of my brain mm-hmm. when I get angry or if I have situations with sailors like that. So I, I always think that that's a moment. I don't regret a lot of stuff. That's a moment I regret like immediately um, after it happened. That's crazy. That's you told me this story before. You told me the story before. I wish I remembered it when I did the Corns Ferry. Uh, the corn. Oh, the survey deal. <laughs> the oh, corns, this, guy has a, this guy has a real problem. Hey, <laughs> the Corns Ferry. Yeah. Same, I man. tell you what, sir, me knowing you that I know if you had to grab those collar devices, he had you hot. <laughs> oh, it was it was a hot moment between hot, both of us. You know, and it, that's when I looked at it as like a in a man-on-man interaction. Like it, it's one of those things that it's, it's different professionally than it would be like in the street. Cause if it was in the street, we would have just been fighting, you know, on the ship, like we settled it. However, we settled it the next day at quarters. But, uh, in that moment, like I just, I, yeah, I felt disrespected and I didn't know what else to do, but the resort to these, like, I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know what else I was supposed to say or show him. But I was like, well, I have, the, I have these, you know, like this is supposed to, this is supposed to mean something. So I default. Oh, I defaulted to my my fabric, yeah, you know, my yeah, collar. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so we got to do though. Got to do. Yeah. Got to do. It's not. It's not mistake. super fake. Next time, I'm just gonna fold them in, right? Be like, these don't matter. That's a bad sign. You gotta have to. I'm folding them in. I don't know if you want to do that. Like, like, these don't matter. See me on the. Oh phone. man. <laughs> yeah, these don't matter. See me up. See me up in Fort Boson. You know, like. What were some of your favorite moments? in your first tour favorite moments i think uh us getting through we had a three-week period i think it was a three or four week period it, i lost track where we had uh we had done deep perm we did ready six value you know material inspection we did three and 1.4 and i want to say a switchboard clean there was all kind of happened within a four week every week had like a 
crazy thing going on. Uh, I remember my favorite moments was one being done with that, being through it, yeah. and just seeing kind of how well we had performed, like as a team. Um, people were drained, and you know we were ready for leave and time off and everything else. But the fact that we got through that as a team and didn't have to come to blows on the on the pier or whatever, um, it was kind of a I think probably my, my felt like my greatest moment of triumph on the ship was getting through kind of all that nonsense. Um, and then I would just say I think my favorite moments as a divo. This is going to sound generic is when you watch people who have worked really hard get promoted, mm-hmm. right? You watch people get mapped or they make it on the test or they get that award or they get the next thing that they need in their career uh, because of the work they put in. I, you know, I feel the most moments of pride when you see your sailors, you know, get that sailor of the year or put on rank. Um, I remember each of those instances specifically, you know, even had the opportunity to pin a couple sailors, you know, with ESWAS pins or with, with crows or whatever. And that's always special because um, you know they're proud, you know how much work they put in to be there, and you know their families at home are going to see the pictures and be super proud of them. And, you know, that for a lot of those people, you know, that could be all their family talks about. All their family's hope is in my kid is in the military and he's doing great things. So there's a lot that goes into those moments, and I try to never take those for granted. Yeah, so uh, here's a crazy story, Damon. So, you know, we're going through NSERV, right? And the gowsing is just acting well you knew, you heard some about some of our insert because the guys went back and talked to you but the gowsing is just <laughs> acting crazy right mr castaneda is moving man like acting crazier than the gowsing right um he's like i never saw him this like like energetic like he wants to win you know what i'm saying i'm like that's cool like we went from mr davis and mr castaneda both of these people just want to win like super bad like but i never i didn't know that whatever level that he hit during inserve, I ain't know he could hit it. Like it was a crazy, and I knew he was really good and sharp. I just didn't know he could be like as like mean as he was. Right? He was like, this dude was like a fireball, man. He's like, what is wrong with these guys, man? We got to get this done. We got like, I'm like, yo, we like, let's go, let's move. It, it, me and him even like cl- like lightweight, like clash a little. Like I'm like, sir, it's gonna get done. Like we got like, but the the point where it got really bad was um, it was something wrong with the gousing. But it was something, and that's where you know uh, Lieutenant JG comes into play is is because <laughs> the David yeah. was fucked up at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And Damon, who gotta go fix the David? Because <laughs> we go through. Because we go and look at this point of inserve, I'm like tired. You know, to, to be honest, I'm like tired. So I'm like, yo, everything good. The guys, all they got left is uh ground checks or whatever we doing. I could just oh uh dark and ship. I was like, I could just chill. And then I get a phone call about the David. I'm like, all right, I gotta get that. It's hot too. It's hot. What was like 90 something? It's like, what is hot? So Yeah, so, I was burnt. So, so yeah. I get up there, the David. He 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 could probably fill you in like a better about the actual situation, like why it was so important that we get the David up. But I just remember Mr. Castaneda calling me on the radio like emc where are you and i'm like i'm like oh i'm up here like i'm on the devil like like you gotta come up here like it's like because we like dire need to get this thing fixed and so they like they're ready to go so uh he going he's like i need you down here at the gousing i'm like yeah i can't like you know because the gousing is is going crazy man but we want to we want to like so that was just like i think that was the biggest moment that i think like we had even though we wasn't working no more together, but that victory felt like an Edith victory. Like to me again, where I'm able to just say hey, first, we got, we got it done. Let's get out of here. That David was acting crazy though. A few times. And it's, it still has problems yeah, to sure. this day, but, 
No, I just I remember my inspector telling me, you know, in deck we have a ton of stuff we got to look at. It's, it's IIG on top of IIG, all kinds of areas. And I remember we had been through a, a lot of stuff, and we were having issues with the dev. And I'm just having a casual conversation with the guys at CWF5. Um, and he was just like, yeah, David, don't come up. You fail. And I was like, we fail. I was like, what do you mean we fail? We've looked at like, you know, 35 other things. Like, how is this? He's like, yeah, but this is worth like 20% of your score. You know, he's like the David and the boats, each of the boats, yeah. I think were like something crazy, like 10 points each. So most of your grade comes from the David and the two boats. Right. Um, and the guy was just like, yeah, you fail. If it doesn't come on. Like, yeah, it's done. And that's when I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> this is, this is serious. So uh i remember the first thing i thought was like i just gotta find emc and i just gotta tell him like if you don't fix this dad i'm gonna fail and like it's gonna be your fault <laughs> it's not i can't internalize that but i didn't want i didn't want to take a failure now the, the dad still had problems but it turned on so what what it could have been you know 20 points lost was only 12 or whatever and we were fine but um yeah, to this day, that debit sucks. So if you're listening to this and you make debit somewhere, yeah, do, like do better. You, you need to improve. Like you gotta yeah, get, you gotta no get way, better. I was thinking yeah. about one of our um, just thinking about you guys and us interacting on the ship. Um, and I remember we had this H left issue where you know we hit a button and H left lighting off all over the places or whatever, right? And we had this interaction. It's like already like me and me and Dumbo, man, we working on this H left thing all day. We're trying to figure it out. And I remember that the XO at the time wouldn't let, we weren't going home until we figured it out type stuff. We, we, same XO. Yeah, yeah. Well, same XO. We weren't going home to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah, I remember, man on, man on the moon. I remember yeah. the first time we actually opened up the AFFF box. Right? Yeah. And I'm normally, okay, we got the SOPVs. We open up there. We got some wires going here. Man, we opened up that box. Man, with so many freaking wires in that damn box. I was like, holy shit. We're not, and then it wasn't wired right. They was going like, yeah, I know, you, I remember you telling that. me things wasn't wired right, but it was to not to be how much this ship costs, right? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. How much this ship costs, and when you open up that thing, and it was so many wires, and it wasn't wired right. I was just like so. I remember being so like upset because I wasn't upset for me really. I was more upset for you because man, look, how the <laughs> hell are we gonna figure this shit out? Like, yeah, cause, cause, yeah. how the fuck we supposed to figure this out when yeah. you got so many wires and then you didn't start the process? So, I mean, you don't know where that shit goes. Then you had to figure, then you had to figure all that stuff out. But let me tell you, man, when we got that talk and we said we ain't going nowhere that we figured it out, man, it was just like, might well just stay on board tonight, man. <laughs> well, you night. know, a, a yeah. couple of things that happened there, yeah. uh, was uh, you were there for that one? Yeah, we. Which one? I don't I don't think I he was, was there me. Oh no no no, you wasn't there. I don't, I don't think you was. There. I don't think I was there. Oh, I was. Yeah yeah. Now you were. The, oh yeah, you were the. Yeah, yeah you've yeah. been there for like nah, eight so years or whatever. Yeah, I, the I XO <laughs> at the time. He, you know, we we supposed to had his DC inspection like right after that. Yeah. So the XO, he's like, yo, it just, mm. I mean, it gotta get fixed. I mean, the DC inspection is on Monday. It has to get fixed on Friday. So um, I'm like, hey, sir, it's my stuff. There's nothing we can do. He's like, go over to the ship across from us. And see how theirs is and talk to them. So I went over to the ship. They was like, yeah, ours is fucked up, too. <laughs> they was like, ours is messed up. They, they, they was like, ours is messed up. We jury rigged something. Like, That's what they said. Yeah. So I came back. I know I was happy to have that news. You know, like, hey, sir, they said they're fucked up, too. It's jury rigged. nothing we can do. He was like, all right, well, you know, just, just go ahead and, you know, keep trying to figure it out. Then he gave me another option. He was like, and he wasn't being a, he wasn't being an asshole at all. He was like, um, another thing you could do is talk to ICC. 
and see if ICC, you know, could help because he knows these kind of things, too. And that's when I was like, nah, <laughs> nah, we about to mm. fix this, man. I'm not going to get And ICC, that's my dude. Love him to death. Uh, but I'm like, I am not calling no ICC to come fix my shit. We going to get this thing fixed. So we was up, man. We stayed on that ship damn near all night. And we got it. We still Garcia was still with us. We got it fixed. Then the next day, these dudes went to op test. It's like the David, man. It's a house of cards, man. You get that thing up. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it until the moment you want. They 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 went yeah, to do an op test. Yeah. I remember Treasure. Yeah, guy. They go to do op test and it is messed up. It's like yo, it's messed up. I was like, fuck. It was Saturday. We had to come into work. We yeah. we just had to come into work. Like, yeah. then, what, did you come in? At, you Not came it, in too, no. right? Um, I think we. I was coming in. I think me and you talked, and you said you kind of knew what was going oh, on. Oh yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So so yeah, so so we went in and fixed it. But I mean, you get those things. You get those house of cards things. You get all of that stuff. I can't <laughs> stress the fact that the 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 part of just having a devil, man. Like having a devil, man. You, I'm telling you, you don't know how much. That team yeah. atmosphere you need, you know, when it comes to both sides of the house, you know, from your admin side and your material side, man. Like when you have to do both, you really like, man, I need a freaking devil, man, to help me out with this stuff. Um, and, and I'm telling you, it's and when you got like 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 we just said a hundred times, man, when you got a good good team together, man, that stuff just just works out like perfectly. Uh, most of the time, and of course, you always gonna have your conflicts. You always gonna have your issues and and things like that. Sailors gonna be sailors and things like that, man. But when you got a when you got a a good team around you, man, all those stuff that works out. People don't understand sometimes, man. What happens in your division sometimes is is by your reputation. You know your reputation mm-hmm. in division. You don't know like you can like you can jack something yep. up over here, but when when the, when the, when the XOC. E behind it, he might be like, "Oh, I ain't worried about that. I know that's gonna get taken care yeah. of." You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And you and, and you see that change. Yeah, you see that change. You see that. I've seen it. Of course, the whole I've seen it travel from from point A to point Z. I've seen it at the point where we super concerned because it's E. Then I've seen it at the point where, hey, you know, hey, sir, this happened. Boom, boom. All right, chief. I know y'all good. Y'all got it. So I've seen it in, in, in both yeah. phases. I did. I, now, I just did think of something. A, a, a junior, I was doing training about stress, and the junior seller asked me, she said, well, where do, where would the leadership go when they get stressed out? Because it's, you know, the EOS program and all of that. So um, she was <laughs> like, well, you know, what about if CMC right. is stressed? What about if the XO is stressed? What about the captain's stressed? But um, so where do devos go when devos get stressed? That's a great question because there's nothing really set up other than other devos. Like we... I think when we have issues, we rely on one another just to kind of get us out of it, right? Because uh, it's no no uh, mystery that a lot of sailors suffer from stress, mental health yeah. issues in our way. The officers and the chiefs certainly do too. Um, it's just not as well defined on who do we talk to or if, you know, they could be like, well, you can go talk to Doc. Well, I don't want to talk to Doc. You know, if I'm having issues, I don't necessarily want to talk to IDC. I don't necessarily want to talk to um, maybe the – whoever the kind of counselors are on board, I'm just going to resort to my see my brother and sisters, right? My other divos. And that's what we do. Um, I kind of wish we had something like more defined because there are a lot of divos that suffer underway. And unfortunately, you know, wardrooms are like other organizations. There's in crowds, mm-hmm. right there. Are, it can even be a bit of a boys club sometimes. So sometimes people can feel excluded from that and they don't have that same kind of community to fall back on. 
Um, so I think there, there are a lot of ways we need to improve mental health awareness in the Navy in general, uh, but specifically for the upper leadership, yeah. because, you know, it's just assumed we got it all figured out and we have to solve other folks problems. But uh, oftentimes, like we have our own problems that just kind of go, um, you know, unsolved and aren't really dealt with until they reach extremis. Yeah, I feel like I feel like uh, we had a space on a ship for anybody that, you know, doesn't know about a ship or anything. But we had a space on a ship uh, tool issue. And I feel like that was the vacuum sometime, like where mm-hmm. you could go and vent. I know I like it. Like, I think the yeah. most pissy I've ever been was after quarters, like any like at quarters, like not, not quarters, uh, the, the khaki meeting before <laughs> before quarters. So oh, yeah. the, the time periods between the khaki meeting and quarters had to be for me, like some of my worst moments, like, like, like ever, you know what I'm saying? It's been times that I vent with Mr. Davis, times I vent with other uh, officers, times I talked to you right after David, like, hey, like, what, what the hell? What is this? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, this gotta be, there's times that in the meeting, you know, I'm like, hey, hold on. Like, this ain't it. Like, what are we doing? But um, you got to have a place, man. Like, because some of that stuff could be momentary. Some of that stress could be momentary. But if you keep it bottled up, you never deal with it or whatever. And then you start snapping on people. And that happened to me when I was, in, uh, when I was at my second command. I was working through lunch every single day. Every day I was working through lunch. And then something happened and I snapped. And um, I snapped because I was working through lunch, you know, and in my head, I'm like, I don't know if I told this on air before, but in my head, I'm like, man, you got the audacity to talk to me about doing something for work when this is the first lunch break that I've ever taken in the last like eight days because I worked straight through the weekends and lunch and this was shore duty and who I was talking to happened to be the highest person in command at the at the command so that wasn't the best person you know the snap on in the moment you know so i got fired as an lpo and a couple you know a couple other things happened wound up getting the job back but a couple other things happened but it was from bottling up so i told myself respect my break i mean that was something that i've tried my best to do even on a ship was respect my time that i'm on break respect my lunch and 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 try my best to get out the energy because i don't want to keep it bottled up but you always been pretty good at handling um, negative energy, Damon. Yeah, because I mean, that's mostly because I'm just positive, motherfucker, man. And yeah, I, I try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all to it, man. It's, yeah. it's no more, no more to it than me just always trying to find the best outlook of it, man. And feel like um, as long as I'm going home every day, you know, as long as you know I'm uh, alive and, and see my kids and see my family, this ain't the end of the world. Like when some. Uh, some project come up and it's like what the hell I'm, I'm like it ain't the end of the world though and that's kind of how i took well, everything it's not the end of the world well what's the most pissed you been what's the most pissed you been the most pissed i've been in and and this and it's really not a story it's been it's been multiple stories like this but one thing that really pisses me off <laughs> the most and, and it happens to me is that when i'm not directly involved but i'm responsible <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean, like, like, yeah. like these incidents, that, yeah. these incidents that be happening, but I really didn't have a hand like into that, but I'm 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 responsible for it. I think that's the biggest thing that 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 gets me yeah. really fired up because I know I would have handled the situation a little bit differently or something, or if I did jack it up, I'm gonna hold it down because I know I messed it up and I'm gonna be like, yep, that was my fault. But when I yeah. But I still got to take responsible for you know responsibility for it. So I think that's the biggest thing that that, that upsets me sometimes. Well, before we close, because we'll be closing soon. But what do you like? What's your thought? So I was reading a post on Facebook. Somebody wrote they were saying like when somebody 
you know, they get raised by their parents. They, the parents put them through school. They teach them. They, you know, they groom them. When they make a mistake later on in life, the, you know, the, the comment is normally, hey, your parents didn't raise you like this. You know what I'm saying? And then they was like, on a ship, if a seller messes up or does something wrong, it's always a direct reflection of their leadership. You know, well, who's your chief? Who's your devo? You know, why is, like, why is that? Well, I think it's a, it's a twofold thing, man. I feel like the only time, <laughs> and this is, my, this, is my, this is a personal opinion of mine, the only time that I feel like we should be, like, straight up responsible for anything someone's do if it's some information that I did not put out that I should have put out. Right. So if something happens to a sailor and I should have told them, hey, you cannot go here at this time. And I supposed to put that stuff out at quarters. Then something happens to the sailor. Then he say, hey, did you put this out, chief? And I'd be like, oh, man, I forgot. I think I should be responsible for it. Right. But when sailors out there, you know, uh, for example, drinking and driving, you know, and then Mm -hmm. and then it, it ends up. My whole division there, maybe the whole department there, and maybe everybody getting talked to, and maybe, you know, all type of stuff still happening from that. I feel like I'm not directly, you know, responsible for that, you know, in, in that type of atmosphere, though. So I don't know, man. I think it's a twofold thing, man. It depends on what it is. I, I also, I know it's not like that. I do know you're responsible for every fucking thing that happens in your your division. That's how this is how it is. But I, I just feel yeah, like that's what, you know we shouldn't be like on certain cases we shouldn't be though that's a weird feeling like feeling nervous that you got to explain something somebody else did yeah man <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah like yeah adults <laughs> grown people, grown people. Like, yeah. grown people yeah, i'm about to get my ass chewed because he gunned that yeah <laughs> like, like yo fuck man yeah, how do i explain <laughs> it's always weird for me because it's like i remember being like i'm 24 years old and i'm explaining the actions of a 32 year old like i don't know how in what world i'm responsible for what he did um and that's something me and my my newest chief the newest chief i had the new bmc you know we went through a whole string of sailors going up Mm -hmm. to mass right for all kinds of different stuff and then it became this whole question of culture and i was the only really common denominator because i had been there for a year or whatever and there was this question of culture and the culture i had built and you know before that moment I always kind of took the opinion of I'm responsible for everything that yeah. happens here, right? But I also didn't have a lot of negative experiences. So it was easy for me to be like, yeah, this went great. I, you know, I own that. But when things started going really wrong is when I had an issue with the, the concept that I was yeah. responsible for because there were sailors doing things that you can't ex- – like I had no impact on. You know, me and Chief were putting out the information. We were telling them the consequences. To, you know, we gave them our numbers, say, hey, if you have problems, you need to talk to us before it gets out of hand. And they still let things get out of hand. And it happened so much within such a short period of time that the chain of command, you know, I even got, you know, I got my blessings on this from a few people. But um, I was like, I can't own this. Like, there's certain things that I just can't feel responsible for when a grown person mm-hmm. makes a grown decision. You know, um, I felt more responsible when it was maybe an 18 year old deck seaman because they just lacked the life experience. Um, but when it's a grown person, like someone my age or older, doing things that have been in the Navy that know what's going on, that know the rules. Like I can't feel responsible for that. I'll do my best to rectify the situation and let other people learn from it. But that's not a reflection of me. I'm sorry. Um, And I think that's something the Navy is learning now with COs. It used to be a kind of, you know, a zero defect. You have one bad thing happen to you as a CO, like you're fired. I think there's been plenty of cases of stuff happening lately where things went wrong and COs retain their jobs. So I'd like to think that 
we, we realize accountability is important and serious, but you can't narrow everything down to a leader because people are going to make irrational decisions and decisions that they know are wrong um, or things are going to go sideways. And it's ultimately not the leader's fault every time. Yeah. And, and it's something we used to do where it's like it takes responsibility away where we start looking for uh, leadership flaws or we start looking for other major organizational flaws that might not even exist. Remember, uh, and I, I ain't talk about this last time. This is the last thing. But remember the fire, right, on the bond home chart? Remember what we had to do after that? We had to go do all of these zone inspections, like the whole Navy. Oh, the, yeah, the entire to, ship. Yeah, such and such to check the ship because you might have all of these, you know, and then come to find out <laughs> it was arson pretty much. It was a dude who lit this fire it didn't have anything to do with the conditions of our... now the fire spreading and all of that yes but the the purpose the reason why the fire started didn't have anything to do with the conditions of the ship or anything like that um and in my opinion it was us again in my opinion it was us looking for major organizational issues that we need to address vice you know that other part is the accountability of the person that made you know the the, the mistake and the impact that that mistake made yeah i'm um, had and in this in this case, this person didn't make a mistake. I want to clarify that this person didn't make any mistakes because I think from our last episode, I think a couple of people might have. We didn't really talk about him. We we talked about the transition between buds and the ship, but we didn't get into like how heinous this act was. It was a heinous act. It's bullshit. Like you know, whatever whatever that punishment is, you you know you deserve it. Yeah. Speaking of that though, that goes back to a little bit about what I was what I was thinking before when we was talking about stress and officers and who they got to talk to. Um, we was we we actually had a conversation about this about you know the the guy was a you know you a buzz dropout and 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 then you only thing you know is 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 wanting to be a buzz your whole life and then you get to a command and you disgruntle and you this you that. Um, right from from a mental health standpoint, so same thing with like stress. I I can't believe that that that's the that's the 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 answer for officers to, to talk amongst each other. I feel like it has to. We need to do better, you know, when it comes to, yeah. to to officers having someone to go talk to. And the same thing with the young sailor. Not not saying what he did was right or anything like that. I feel like they should have someone to go talk to there once they. Are, become a, a buzz dropout or, some, or anything like that, they should be talking to somebody like then before they even go out to a right. ship or whatever the case yeah. may be. And the same thing goes for the, for the officers. I feel like they have to have someone at the command or someone somewhere to talk to um, all the time because I know, look, think about this. You're 22, 23 years old and you a first lieutenant? Yeah. Man, that that's that's huge. And then depending on the side of the ship is, look how many people that is. That's gonna be sixty people depends on the ship that you are responsible for. You know, and, and I, I know that has to be a stressful job, you know. Um, yeah, well, just the outside I mean, looking in. I definitely want to plug Fleet and Family and all of their services. Fleet and Family got like six to seven hundred different things that they do. Yeah, yeah, right? most definitely. And I don't think I don't think uh most people really give them that just do as far as using utilizing them it's like most of this stuff is free man um you know they giving people uh they teaching you like uh newborn baby techniques and while you pregnant stuff uh marital counseling it's a lot of things that fleet and family has to offer that i don't even think we tap into and um i'm afraid that one day they won't be offering those things because they can't fund them um if we're not ever you know utilizing those things so that's that's my opinion on that um quickly i want to the movie, right? Top Gun. Top Gun. Oof. We all saw it, 
right? We all saw it. So I'm going to sit back for a minute. I'll let uh, Mr. Davis talk about Top Gun first um, since it has such a major influence on his, his life. His right. life. <laughs> My life. Yeah. So what's your take? And, and we didn't pre-watch it or not. We just kind of shooting the shit about Top Gun real quick. I just say that Top Gun kind of embodies everything we love about our country, right? We got a guy on a motorcycle flying jets, chasing chasing the girl. We got rock and roll music, sunglasses. Uh, we got some fierce competition and patriotism at play. Um, I also just think it's an interesting note. Uh, I don't re- remember the name of the actress, but Tom Cruise and his female counterpart in that movie mm-hmm. uh, looked pretty similar then. If you were to look at both of them now, like, Tom Cruise uh, has had some work done or he is uh, <laughs> going through a process where he doesn't age because they have, they have taken very different routes. Um, yeah. I'll just say Top Gun is Top Gun's great. I wish there was a SWO equivalent, you know, where you come by the pier going 12 knots and the guy spills his coffee everywhere and uh, it'll never be that high speed for us, unfortunately. But I think it's a great movie, uh, a funny movie, if nothing else. And then um, Tom Cruise, like I said, he's uh, he's defied aging. So, uh, when the next one drops, you know, we'll be ready for it. It's been delayed. Uh, we thought we were going to get it a long time ago. We thought we were going to yeah, get on deployment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of kind of funny that that never panned out. Shout out to our PAO who lied to us on that. <laughs> um, but hopefully it comes out soon. We'll all go watch it, and it'll be uh, kind of reigniting the flames from the first Top Gun. Yeah, so he, so he, they specifically said, Paramount specifically said, they're not going to streaming. So they will not go to streaming. Um, they feel like they got something with Top Gun 2. And they want it to be played in the most theaters that they could play it in. So I feel like whenever we open back up and all and we are able to go to the theaters, that's when we're going to get top. They did a lot. man. They filmed it actually in the um, jets while they, you know, it's Tom Cruise, man. Like he wasn't going to do special all effects, right. like special effects. No, <laughs> like, no, I'm going to be in the jet. We're going to film it like that. What about you, Damon? How did Tom, how did Top Gun impact you? Hey, one of the best movies of his time, man. I, 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 mm. and, I'm, and and look, look from from the time Tom Cruise, you know, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I I like Tom Cruise, right? Acting, oh, yeah, I mean, Cruise. so and and anytime that you it could be however you think about this. If I if if I ask this question, say, hey, what Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> name a Tom Cruise movie. And what movie you would say? Top Gun. Me? Top Gun. Uh-huh. That's the movie you would say. Top Gun. Right, every time yep. I mean, like every 100%. time, if you, if no, you, no, yes, you will. Not Tom. Listen, if you <laughs> was on, if you was on Jeopardy and they asked you about not about, Tom Cruise, they would ask you about to, Tom um, name a movie. Nope. They, Top Gun, Top Gun, all day. Right, so Top Gun's a good movie for me, man. I, I like it. Uh, you right, I'm just like you guys. I thought I'd been the, the watch Top Gun two already, you know, by now. Um, but that's that was the movie, man. Back then, man, Goose, you know, that's my guy, you know. All those guys yeah. in the, in the in the movie, man. Like we we um we loved that movie growing up, man. Like everybody though, it wasn't like just me. It's like the family. The the everybody knew about about this movie, and that was one of the, uh, the, the the movies I remember from Tom Cruise. And from then on, man, like every movie Tom Cruise, I knew Tom Cruise coming out with a movie. It started with Top Gun. If Tom Cruise mm-hmm. hey went the, the Mummy, you know what I mean? I want to watch the Mummy because I watched freaking Top Gun. You know, <laughs> it yeah. just it's just uh, he made me a fan of of, of himself anyway. Um, so yeah, man, I like the movie, man. It's a good movie. Yeah, now go ahead I and like, give your. It look like go, you want to say it. Look now, nah, it look like you want to say something over there. <laughs> Would you? 
I got I got a quick question about another movie, but I want to hear your plug on Top okay. Gun. Okay, so. uh, Top Gun. It, it, it took me a long time to watch Top Gun. Top Gun. I didn't watch it as early as everybody else. I, I think I was... I probably watched Top Gun for the first time about five years ago, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, probably right before... Get into yeah, right before getting to the ship. Uh, it was a, it was everything that an American movie should be. Um, it's the yes. cookie cutter yeah. like movie. The whole like nine, everything whole nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything that should happen in the movie, it happens. It follows all the rules. Uh, just like Star Wars, just like the first Star Wars. Like it follows all the rules to a T. It's a, a great American movie, and I know that it's responsible for a lot of people. You know, joining the military. Um, a lot of officers, a lot of people wanting to be pilots. And um, my biggest Top Gun is is good. Uh, it was cool seeing some of the places that they filmed it at when I actually finally got to San Diego. Like uh, most of the places we went to were places that, you know, was in uh, Top Gun. And I'm glad I was so connected to it because I had just saw it. But what I'm what I wonder what I want to see more out of this is if the second movie has the same impact as the first movie, if it could do the same thing, because. I don't see the Navy right now being as cool a place. This is just me being honest again. Yeah. No, being as cool no a way. place to join as it was after Top Gun came out. I, like that like, intrigue is not there right now. Um, to me, it's people that's trying to go to college or, you know, certain things that they trying to do. I don't think that intrigue's there. So let's hope that Tom, uh, Top, Tom Cruise could do it again with Top Gun 2. Maybe, maybe not. Do we think Top Gun 2 will be as good as Top Gun 1? No. It won't. I mean, no way. No, I don't think so. We know uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer not in it, right? He got throat cancer. Yeah. and all, all messed up. Yeah. I, but but uh, speaking of speaking of that, uh, Rihanna tried to make it cool. You know, to join, right? Battleship. <laughs> yeah, she had like yeah, she had yeah, like yeah, eight yeah. ratings in that movie. <laughs> Salad, uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the greatest sailor of all sailor here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lava dog of the month, at least. You had another movie that you. <laughs> I just, as a film guy, I thought it interesting to tell you the last movie I saw, which was uh, The Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, <laughs> what New I, Orleans. I've never seen what? it. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Where <laughs> Nicholas, Nicholas Cage plays a dirty cop in New Orleans who's like addicted to drugs, but investigating a homicide. If you haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's an interesting film, and I recommend you watch it. You can catch it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, the whole thing's on YouTube. YouTube, yeah, like the whole film. It's, it's I, I, I was questioning its authenticity, but the whole thing's on YouTube. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a, uh, it's a really interesting take for uh, hey, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage didn't fell off though, man. Like Nicholas, man, what's going on with our guy, man? Like, Eric, look, and, and I see it, he has sit on like Netflix, and I say, oh man, that's Nicholas Cage. But I don't know yeah. what Nicholas Cage I'm looking at no more, man. Like I don't yeah. know what's going on. He got like Wally's wonderful some shit. Oh, yeah. pig. The, the pig, yeah, man. Yeah. He peaked he in that film. Like yeah, <laughs> he peaked in the bad lieutenant. And, I'm and telling bad you, lieutenant? yeah, he, that was his. That's probably his best role, other than stealing the the Constitution or whatever. Oh, which, oh, oh, national national treasure, treasure. national treasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta check that one out. I uh, my book. I I, I might have talked about this book, but I, I want to bring it up again. Uh, it's your ship. Um, I'll bring it up again because uh, this guy here is the person that recommended me. We we had this moment in time where we were recommending each other, you know, different things. So I would recommend Menace to Society. He would recommend It's Your Ship. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so um, yeah. he, so It's Your Ship. Um, I took a lot from that, like a whole lot, man. That was a really cool book. Uh, cool, 
cool captain. Um, a lot of things that I didn't think about about just being a leader, uh, kind of shown through uh, in, in reading that issue ship book. Um, I think any leader in the military should should at at some point um, read it. Uh, I could get more into the title. Um, it's your ship, Captain D. Michael Abrashoff is how you pronounce yep. it. Management techniques from the best damn ship in the Navy. Um, and this it's a really good book. It's about uh, when uh, Captain Abrashoff took over the USS Benfold and um, some things he had to kind of um, do to increase productivity, um, empowering some junior sellers in positions that was unexpected and getting things done. And I appreciated that book. So that's my book. You got anything on that one? It's your ship. I just say it's funny for uh, any of the other divos who were there. I, I, I presented this book for wardroom training. It was my very first wardroom training. And they said, Ensign Davis, teach on leadership, which I thought was, I was already being set up for failure. They're asking me in my first time to teach leadership as the most junior person in the room. Uh, so I brought the book and I pretty much just spoke to some excerpts from the book. Little did I know my first captain hated the book and I guess had interesting thoughts on the guy. So I kind of got publicly scolding. There's a public scolding for bringing it up. Uh, and those who were in the room with me that day still remember that was a pretty funny interaction. Uh, the other officers seemed to you know, respond positively to it. I had uh, uh, what, what was our stow kind of saved me on that one. And then he said there was something he liked from the book. Uh, other than that, though, the response was mostly negative from the CEO. Oh, but uh, still, still, still stand by the book. Uh, you know, it's pretty basic in its writing. And if you're in the Navy, you're going to read it. Um, it's written for more of a general business crowd. Yeah. So you might, it might leave you wanting a lot since you, if you're already in the Navy. But it's just some really basic ideas on kind of empowering those below you to do their job and yeah. do it, you know, do it to their best of their ability. And also, just uh, there's an ownership piece in there that really speaks to that. I think it's important for kind of any military leader, which is really all of us, uh, specifically Divos, and just taking ownership of, of, you know, your program, your product, your division, uh, and, and kind of selling it to other people at all times and making it the best version you can. Yeah. Yeah, ownership is like a big thing that we need to talk about in the military probably every day. <laughs> you got anything else, sir? Anything? No, I just uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. If you didn't know, this is my first podcast uh uh, first podcast ever so i'm hoping this will propel me to joe rogan next week mm. i will see if he's if he's happy with the product but no i just uh, i appreciate both of you uh obviously as as you know now both senior chiefs right i appreciate you as that but i also appreciate you as men uh kind of what you bring to the table uh what you bring to the fleet and just who you are as people so i appreciate you having me on and just uh let me share the same space with you for a little while hey uh, so joe rogan's number one uh he's number one uh we're what? we're number 170 on our way that's pretty good way that's pretty good number 170 yeah. in the government category in apple podcast yeah, uh self self-made self everything um and all of that is of course, uh, without like we can do none of that without the people that listen to us, the people that support us, the people that continue to download our episodes and um, and create conversations uh, off of them. So I really appreciate um, that. Uh, thanks uh, for giving us some of your time so we could talk to you. Um, we definitely needed that uh, officer uh, angle aspect on our podcast. A lot of times when we have guests. I always think, yo, we're going to just, it's going to be 
crazy. We can just have a crazy time. And we always get very informative and we get some real, real good information out yeah. of it. And we sometimes we might yeah. forget the bullshit as much as I always think we will. But I always appreciate that we get so much content out of uh, the, the conversations that we have and, and, and the guests we have. And that's what is I mean, that's where the value is. So I appreciate you giving us some of your time. I know you over there in school and it looks like a pretty fancy place that you're staying mm-hmm. in. So the art if you see on the wall you know i got a lot of got a lot of watercolors around here it's a uh, saturday in newport so I, i'm glad you got me my best moment of the day which is right now yeah, in the yeah. morning so um no only uh only negative things will happen from this moment on <laughs> so it's good i'm glad to be here yes yeah, sir we glad to have you on also sir um i'm most definitely looking forward to your career and what you're doing in the navy and i'm, I'm gonna be watching from from the outside to see what you do sir so uh, keep up, keep pushing, and uh, I know you're gonna do well. And hopefully, get you on here again. All right, just of course, just throw me a couple bones when you come to do that inspection. That's all I <laughs> oh, have. You know, yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> I got you, sir. Throw me a couple bones. Yeah. All right, sir. all right. Mission speak freely. Peace.